You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. and girls, ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's Uncle Silk. It's the All-American 35. And then it's just Dan. He's back at it. Hey, Dan. Dan. But like, Dan, like, I just found out you never, you never let him in high school, man, Dan. But, but you played sports, so. I I, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my school didn't have a hockey team, so. So, yeah, never lettered. You know, we were talking about getting letterman jackets and everything else, and I told these guys I could finally get my first, uh, Ooh, my first let letter. You let out the bag, Dan. You, hey, you brought the people a gym right there, bro. Yeah. You know, <laughs> the heat. Hey, look, I ain't going to lie, Dan. I'm proud to be, be one of the first ones to get you, get you a letter, Dan. Yeah, I appreciate I'm that. proud bro. to be on yeah, that you team. Know, it, you know, get you yeah, a letter. Yeah, you know, it, it was, uh, I was always disappointed. Never played, uh, never played football, never played, uh, never played baseball for the, uh, for the school or anything. So, played hockey. I was unaffiliated with the uh, – with the school, I mean, we talked about this last week. I was absolutely unbelievable. I would have been, you know, all American or all county, all district, all state, but we didn't have it at my school. So, uh, so I'm excited to get my first Letterman jacket, boys. Yeah, man, we're gonna drop some Stadium and Gale Letterman jackets. We're gonna drop some Victory Roll Up Letterman jackets. We're also gonna do the starter style, man. We're working on some things, dog. Woo. Gonna be dope. Yeah. Flames, flame and shit. Yeah, already big drip. But let's get it. Let's talk about how it's the weekend, man. What y'all boys do? Y'all hung out a little bit? Hung out a little bit. I hung out with uh, with TJ. And if you guys listen to the Big Three Roll-Up call-in show, you'll know how that went for TJ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guy, guy was standing on table, standing on chairs, screaming for Willie to get fired. The best part about it is they obviously can't fire him. So that was fun. But uh, no, got to hang out with, uh, with Newberg and uh, our boy Trevor Sikama from the Draft Network, who was on a couple weeks ago. Uh, hung oh, nice. out at Bay Cannon Brewery there in uh, here in Tampa, so it was a, a really good time. We got to see Florida win. We got to see FSU. Whew, that was close, boys. Close. We almost had them. And then, yeah, uh, man. And we got to see Hawks. Miami lose. Our Warhawks almost pulled it off, bro. I'm trying I know. To we, these were our Warhawks and our Tar Heels. Our Tar Heels pulled it off. Our Warhawks, yeah, valiant effort, boys. Well, hello. But we 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 must talk about that. That uh, everybody in the whole nation was an Army fan at one point. Oh, absolutely! Definitely. How could you? Everybody you could was not root against. No, no, you can't root against them boys. And yeah, they you can't, can't root against patriotism, on. bro. Yeah, we got a national guy coming on. We're gonna speak a little bit about Michigan and their ranking. I don't know how they still got a legitimate ranking. I don't think Army's terrible, but I think Michigan does does not look like a top ten team. But we'll get into that. Um, oh, absolutely. Hey, we we can't uh, we can't not talk about Tennessee losing another game. Yeah, Ooh, we we, we must. We must talk about sloppy top. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I don't. I mean, the, the, every every week that goes by, our schedule looks a little bit more friendlier, bro. Um, yep. Tennessee, I thought would at least be a a decent matchup to cause some problems, but we should breeze through that like we breeze through Tennessee Martin. I don't see the difference between Tennessee and Tennessee Martin. You do, you do, do. Nah, not not really. I don't think so. I think, I, you know, I think really Tennessee Martin might be the best team in, in Tennessee. Uh, they might be. They already beat Memphis, right? And they beat Memphis, so, you know. Hey, they, they, they are – uh, No, they didn't, they didn't play Memphis. They didn't play uh, Memphis. Oh. 
Uh, but, uh, <laughs> stuff up. I'm sorry. <laughs> I could probably beat the Dolphins, though. Um, oh. But, uh, yeah, no, Tennessee is demoralized right now. I mean, that's that's two two big losses to start their season. I think they have Chattanooga next week, but I don't, I don't think that's going to help them. I think, uh, you know, I think Florida goes into that Auburn game 5-0, and so. Yeah. I, I was speaking of the weekend and um, bar, we had our bar thing over at Smoke Inn. Ended up having to cut it short. Uh, got there, I was hanging out a little bit, and um, I realized as, as we were setting up the TVs with different channels that these guys couldn't get the trash ACC network, bro. It's, it's real difficult <laughs> to find that stuff around here, man. So oh, that, that's hard. The poverty network. And apparently both of these, the other two trash programs in the state, both were playing on the ACC network. So that was two of the three games. So I figured we go ahead and move it over to Twin Peaks, and everybody just hung out there for a little bit. But those guys order ACC Network, and we should resume right back at the uh, smoke in cigar bar. David off West Palm Beach every Saturday. Well, I, is that, well, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, where where in Palm Beach is that? It's off of uh, you know what Palm Beach Lake, Lakes exit is off of ninety five. Mm-hmm. It's off of Palm Beach Lakes and Village Boulevard. All right, it's right in the Publix Plaza, and off of Lakes is maybe. Not even not. I would say about 800 feet away from Palm Beach Lakes on Village Boulevard. There you go. Real yeah, nice well, got, relaxing it, spot. It got a little dicey on uh, on Saturday, and you know how I get. You know, uh, we uh, went to uh, to Bay Canterbury. Now I don't know if you guys have ever been there, uh, but it's it's just north uh, of South Tampa where where I'm at. So, but like there's a a very clear line between South Tampa and then not South Tampa. If you guys know what I mean. And so, no, no. yeah, 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 you got you. So anyway, so can, can, it's all right. Can you explain that? No, no, I can't. Just, just don't interrupt my story. So anyway, uh, so there right. I am. So I take Howard, uh, Howard Avenue, uh, just north of 275, and I make a right. And guys, I thought I was in the wrong spot. I didn't know where TJ was taking me. Oh, so man. He's was, in the hood? Get, yeah. <laughs> look, but look. Hey, it, it all worked man. out. All worked out. You, you, you gonna be all right, Dan. All black people ain't, ain't, ain't out to get you, bro. No, no, they're not. None of them are. No, I had a great time, but uh, no, it's interesting though because it's in a, it's in an area that's predominantly African American, but there was not one um, in the uh, in the brewery. So I'm gonna have TJ gentr or uh, ungentrified a little bit next time we go there. Hey, hey Dan, did you did you see a corner store, Dan? I saw the Candy Lady House, right? <laughs> seeing a random open sign in a bedroom window he's like ah it's gotta be the candy lady no it was good though but it was not uh, like I, I was pretty sure i was on the wrong street boys it was uh i was like hey oh, man, man don't be scared man statistics show that we we harm each other more than we harm anybody visiting in the neighborhood so you're fine bro yeah and no, i appreciate that you guys are gonna have to come hang out though uh, next time, Ma, next time uh, we're having a game there, you need to come down. It's only, uh, it's only like 45 minutes from uh, from Lakeland. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull up on y'all sometime. Man, and, and uh, don't that, yeah, but pull up on me has got a slightly different term after I just told you the type of place. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to pull up on you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> but before we get too off topic, boy, sorry about that. We're gonna uh, we're gonna transfer over to this uh, this Florida win, forty five nothing over Tennessee. Martin. Before we uh, dive too much into that, we're gonna bring our uh, our boy Jake McGee on, former tight end. Uh, as always, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at South Georgia Pecan. I call them pecans. Um, if you want to call them pecans, whatever you want to call them, call uh, South Georgia Pecan Company in Valdosta. 
uh, fundraising, gifts, personal, whatever your nut needs are. Um, call 800-732-2646. Uh, holidays are coming up. So uh, my company is actually going to be using them uh, to do a lot of stuff uh, for my clients and everything else. So again, uh, head over to, uh, to georgiapecan.com, uh, 800-732-2646. All your pecans, almonds, granola, cashews, pistachios, whatever you want is over there. So let's get, uh, let's get uh, Jake McGee on, boys. Hey, man, I just want to pause that for all your nut needs, bro. Just got to pause that, though. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for waiting until after the ad was over. Yeah, you got to be respectful. Everybody has nut knees, I guess. Everybody has nut knees. Which pecans are your favorite in there, bro? Because everybody was talking about the chocolate one. Man, the honey roasted. The honey roasted. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Join us for the first time on Stadium and Gale. It's former Gators tight end, Jake McGee. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing well. It's good to be on with you guys. Thanks for coming. Thanks for coming. What are your thoughts on the season so far? Hey, so far, so good. Uh, 2-0. and um, You know, you would have liked to win by a little more, but, uh, you know, win's a win and just get that ball rolling. Jake, what do you think of, of the offense uh, that that Dan Mullen is it's instituting? That how do you think it's uh, it's looking so far this year? I think they're getting their feet wet. I think it's. Um, I mean, I think he's one of the best offensive coaches in the country, as he's shown throughout his career. And I think they have weapons that, uh, as this season goes, you'll forget about the slow start. And I think they'll get back clicking and putting up a lot of points as as the year goes on. And I know that there was a lot of talk about the, the tight ends having a pretty big role in the offense, especially this season with with Pitts and uh, Gamble and, and Lucas Kroll really starting to come up on their own. What, what do you think we haven't seen as much production from them this year? I just think right now there's so many weapons on the offense. you you got to find a way to spread spread the ball around. And as and as the season goes, they'll, they'll have a good idea of who's in what role and uh, – I think the production will grow as they go, and it's just finding out exactly, you know, who the targets need to go to, who who needs to be doing what, and just spreading the ball around, and then finding out who's making plays this year to to continue to get wins. And and so you know, I know a lot of people have talked about you know the Gators, you know, obviously replacing a bunch of people on the offensive line uh, this year, four new starters, and a lot of people are are kind of relying on on that tight end to pick up some extra uh, blocking, you know, to protect uh, you know the, at that tackle spot. Uh, how hard is it for somebody that's not great at blocking? Maybe they're a little bit undersized. Maybe you know they're a Kyle Pitts type. How do you best utilize a guy like him when you may need some extra protection, if that makes sense? Um, I think in the run game especially, it's, it then becomes on knowing your personnel as they do and putting the, uh, the run plays in that get him in situations, whether it's pull in on the backside. He can be on the front side of plays that usually cut back. And then in pass protection, it's really – you know, really just them working on it, figure out who's kind of the best at at that aspect, and then just pass plays to get the ball out quick. You you know, if it's a smaller 
like Kyle Smith, Pitts is more of a receiving tight end. You don't want to put him in too many situations where he's one-on-one with a DN or an outside linebacker, or, you know, that's not going to be in the best interest of the offense. But it, it's really just moving them around and doing what they do best and uh, exploiting their strengths and then hiding the weaknesses if you can. Hey, Jake, so um, it's just my uh... – you know, my observation, but do you think that uh, football is evolving a little bit more to where we're using more hybrid tight ends and not the traditional just standing, you know, uh, uh, hand in the ground and blocking tight ends? Well, I th- I agree with that. And I think there's, and it really speaks to everybody evolving. The DNs and outside linebackers have gotten so good and so big that just the way schemes are going these days, asking your tight end to repeatedly go one-on-one with them and win is going to be a tough matchup, especially when you're asking them to make plays with their legs and speed in the passing game. It, it's getting to a point where tight ends are more there to, you know, cut off, um, sort of cut off and just get in the way. And if you get lucky enough to have a guy that can block for a whole game and catch passes, is more than likely going to be a early draft pick and play football for a long time. Yo, Jake. Yes, sir. How did you become a Gator? What, what made you transfer? You, you was a transfer guy. What made you transfer um, to UF? Uh, considering the, our offense really had picked up, it really it was really in a, in a rut as a program offensive wide. What made you choose University of Florida? Well, at the time, I was um, I wanted to play, you know, when I was switching, I wanted to play SEC football at the time, and I had known known a couple of the coaches and had, at the time, had seen Kurt Roper's offense work at Duke, which I thought fit me very well. But then in the grand scheme of things, I didn't end up even really playing for them, and mm-hmm. I was just – I was fit in with the new staff that came in with Mack Wayne and Nussmeyer, and it was something that – you know, I just wanted to play at one of the uh, premier schools in the country and uh, just really see what my talent level was and if I could con- could continue playing football into the next level. What was your experience like at Florida? I had a great time. It was it was something that, you know, I broke my leg, which was a downer, but I was it ended up being a blessing in the sense that I was able to be there for two years and really understand and get involved in with the culture of U.S. And it was something that I uh, I had a really good time. Wish we could have uh, wish we could have had Will Greer for the whole season and see how that would have went. But other than that, I had a great time. What was the locker room like? I mean, you were there. What was the locker room like when you know you, you kind of get the game going or the ball rolling with uh, with Greer? You know, you had a great game against Ole Miss, and then you know you guys beat Kentucky, and then all of a sudden, beat the week of the LSU games. You know, he's out. What was the locker room like? How did you guys handle it? Uh, I guess just talk to us about that that week. Well, it's something we were fortunate. We had a good amount of veteran leadership with uh, myself and Trip Thurman on offense and then Antonio Morrison and Jonathan Bullard on defense where we were able to, you know, it's really next man up. There's nothing There's nothing you can do. It's definitely a hit when you lose your starting quarterback, as, as we all saw, but it's something that you just got to try to keep moving forward and make the most of it. You know, it didn't, it turned out to be too much for us to overcome, but it was something that, you know, the guys stuck together and we, you know, we stayed, we stayed as together as you could and 
I mean, a lot of that goes to that defense, which, you know, when we look back in the future, it'll be one of the most talented defenses probably you can find top to bottom. Why do you, what do you think uh, McIlwain could have done differently to succeed? Um, I, you know, I think it always, it always starts with quarterback play and we, you know, we didn't really fill that room in with a lot of young talent. Uh, we had a couple of transfers who were good players, but, um, it's just something you gotta, you gotta keep up with the, you know, as we, as we all know, the keep up with the recruiting and keep up with getting the talent in there. But, you know, he was a, for me, I, I loved playing for him and it was just a, situation that you know didn't work out for him and um there's been a lot of questions about my man frank's uh maturity and off the field or sideline stuff that he does what do you what's your opinion on frank's and and how do you think he's on the mother um i think it's something i think uh it's hard it's easy to it's easy to judge from the outside in my opinion um from the little bit i know felice that's that's his team. That's his locker room. Um, what he does day in, day out, as the guys, you know, repeatedly show and uh, sort of go all out for him. It's he's earned their trust and earned their respect. For if if he wants to have a little fun and showboat a little bit, you know, you got to let him. If that's, you know, I don't know him well enough to know his exact personality, but to me, it looks genuine. It looks like who he is. And everywhere I've been. If your if your QB is respected and trusted by the guys and is himself, guys will follow him and he, he'll be a successful QB. And I think that's what we've seen with Felipe. And I and I like seeing it. It's a little it's a little spunk, and he just needs to uh, keep winning games, and people need to get on board with it. Okay, let's get in. We brought you on. We're gonna talk talk ask you a few questions about yourself, but let's talk about the last game we just played. Did you, you check the game out? Say that one more time. Did you check out the last game, Tennessee Martin game? Yeah, I watched last week. Okay, what was your biggest takeaway from the game? Who did you like uh, besides Felipe Franks? He had a nice outing. Who else did you like on offense? Um, I like I like seeing um, us spreading the ball out, getting our getting our top receivers going because uh, as the year goes, we're going to need uh, Grimes, Jefferson, and Cleveland to come up big and continue uh, continue making plays and. You know, there's so many good receivers in that room right now that it's a tough job as an offensive coordinator and head coach to get them all enough touches to keep them happy. But I think I think if we can continue working with them and seeing uh, and adding Jacob Copeland in while Tony's out, I think it's something that uh, they should be able to put up points all season. Hey, what's it like, Jake? You know, and, and you just mentioned Jacob Copeland. You mentioned earlier, you know, how many different weapons Florida has. What's it like being a guy – you know, on an offense with, you know, a lot of different weapons and, and how do you get every, you know, how do you stay, I guess, engaged on every snap knowing that, you know, you're probably only going to get the ball maybe one, two, three times a game? Well, I think with these guys especially, it, it's a team that can go a long way. This is a team that can play, can make it to the playoff, can have an opportunity to win the SEC. So it that needs to be the first goal. And I think from what I've seen, these guys are bought in and they have one of the best coaching staffs you can find. I really, I really believe that from what I've seen and what I've heard from the guys. It's something that uh, you'll want to play for, and their and it's their job to get the guys to be bought in. And you know, when you're winning and have talent around you, that's the thing that uh, they've done well. And I think those guys, especially as you've seen with the um, 
playing special teams, covering punts, doing all that. It's it's something you build around the guy next to you and just the goal is to win as many games as you can. And I think they're on the right path. Yeah, I think I think you saw that when Jacob Copeland scored. But, you know, what you see about this team is no matter who gets the ball, no matter who scores, the entire team is energetic to see them. Uh, you know, just going through the game, you know, this was the Gators' first shutout since 2016 when they beat North Texas. Uh, so that was 34 games in a row without uh, – uh, between shutouts, so 45 to nothing, um, 69 points for the first two uh, games of the year for the second year in a row. So I know a lot of people are going to uh, be happy about that. So that's a nice stat for uh, for the Gators. 312 yards passing, uh, which is the second highest under Dan Mullen. They did uh, 399 uh, in the Idaho game last year. Uh, but that's only the third time in the last four years that uh, the Gators have thrown up uh, over 300 yards passing. And then uh, Jacob Copeland, the guy you just met. Ari, you just mentioned um, first Gators freshman or redshirt freshman. It's kind of surprising to catch a touchdown since Freddie Swain did it uh, in 2016. So, uh, you know, big game overall uh, for the Gators. Uh, Jake, watching the game, uh, you know, I know Florida got a lot of uh, yards at the end of the game uh, rushing the ball. But what do you think from what you've been watching? Because obviously tight end, you're you're lined up there on the ball. What do you think have been some of Florida's struggles one blocking to, to, to limit how many yards the, the Gators have been able to actually get on the, on the ground. Yeah, I think, you know, it's a new group coming together. They, as you said, they lost some guys from last year. So it's, it's something you'd like to see a little more early, but I think as they stay healthy and each game they go in together, that it should continue to continue to improve, to know exactly as the game's going, what, what their strengths are, what plays they run best together. And I think it's something that'll continue to go. It's because as you know, in SEC football, if you can't, if you can't run the ball, then you're going to struggle some weeks. Now we're, we're fortunate to have a top notch defense that I think will continue to hit their stride as well, but it's just the offense getting comfortable knowing what, what run plays are the, are the best for this group. Cause it can change year to year with who's blocking at, you know, the O-line and the tight end spots. It's, it's now finding which plays they run with, uh, they run together that, you know, brings out the strengths in our, in our line. Yeah. I mean, we don't know, obviously every single play that they're running or how they're supposed to be executed. And I'm sure as a former player, that's probably frustrating watching a lot of people getting takes off on the timeline that, that maybe don't know exactly what's going on. Uh, but the one thing that I did notice, uh, is that Florida seemed to be blocking a little bit better and run blocking when they were doing more hat on hat or man on man, uh, on the offensive line rather than, than some of those zone uh, schemes. But, uh, you know, despite the fact that they, they didn't get a ton of yards rushing, they had, what, 90? Felipe Franks had a nearly 93% completion rate, uh, which is important to mention because uh, that's the, uh, the single best passing percentage ever for a Gators quarterback in a game. So, um, so come on, I don't know if you guys want to jump in with anything yeah, else you guys Yeah, most really important, noticed. yeah, the best thing I, I, I like out of Franks, even though uh, – Regardless of the matchup, that team was focused on dropping as many in coverage as they can and confusing him, and he made the right decisions a lot of the times. Um, so I think that was the, the, the best thing I got. If he had a check down, he didn't force it. He took the check down. When he did go deep, he was accurate on the deep ball, and he hit. So I, that's, that, that was my big takeaway. He didn't force anything try to just try to get production and, and to put on the show, which I thought he was going to do. Yeah, I, that's that's what I like uh, most importantly. He, he wasn't – Going with his first read, uh, I think on that touchdown he threw to, to Van Jefferson. Uh, you know, he, I don't know if he was looking out the safety or what, but um, I liked his eyes. Uh, he got to control the safeties. That's what he has to get better at, and that's how you win the game. Every time a quarterback comes out, people don't know 
Uh, when the offense goes to the line, the quarterback looks at the safeties. And he, he sees what kind of high it is. Is it a one high? Is it a two high? You know, and, and he'll go from there. So once Frank start controlling that one high safety and getting better at that, uh, you know, the sky's going to be the limit. Hey, Black. 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 Oh, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, well, I was going to say, I took more from uh, really the week one matchup because they were like as – I mean, they got a lot of heat from how it went, and they did have some turnovers, but – to me, watching that game, and it's always easy to look back, but they were a couple handoff exchanges away from being up 17-3, and then that's a completely different game. And while the maturity needs to continue and being smart with the football, I don't think you can take – you want to see him do what he did this past week. If you're playing an opponent like they played this past week, you need to see Felipe with you know, some of his best stats ever. And – as long as he's doing that, it would have been more concerning if he came out and struggled or just played okay against them this past week. But I think, you know, you get the rust off in a rivalry game week one, you get out with the win, and then you you do what you're supposed to against a 1AA opponent. I think they're on the right path to put up a lot of yards and a lot of points as this, as this thing goes. Black, how did you feel about uh, the defensive backs? The freshman defense bats got to get in. Chris Henderson went down, so I think we'll have to see more of the younger guys as well versus Kentucky this week. But how do you feel about the freshman DBs? Kyrie got an interception, and Chester Kimbrough and Jaden Hill look good as well. They looked amazing. Uh, these guys came in, uh, you know, didn't drop the rifle. They, they came in, and, 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 and some of them made, made a few plays. Uh, it was exciting to watch these guys. Uh, these these guys have been getting a lot of pub, you know, uh, getting recruited and, you know, in the offseason um, in camp, their names are showing up, you know, here and there. So I think people was excited to see what they can actually bring to the table. Uh, those guys got out there, Kier, you know, got a, got a nice interception. He played that excellent. Um, I don't think you can play it any better than how he played it. Boxer receiver out um, in the back of the end zone and, and went up and made a play. Uh, 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 25, what's, what's 25 name again? I'm sorry. Uh, the one from Louisiana. He Shout made out Kimbrough. Yeah, he Kimbrough made a, made a few plays. Um, I like it. I like his poise and, and how how he plays with passion a little bit. So, uh, thirty one came in there running that running downhill. Um, you know, I know he's not a young guy, but you know he he's seen limited action, but he played well on Saturday. So, uh, these guys, you know, I, I'm excited to see them play. I know Jaden Hill was flying around as well. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see how how they grow and mature, uh, and and you know you know possibly see some of the, some of them in action this week. Yeah, I have I a question you, for you, Ron. Yeah. If, what do you think? You think we got enough um, at safety to to really, when we get going against top offenses, to to be all the way there? Because as you know, it's great safety question. Yeah. In the run game. So, so the for sure. Right now, uh, I, I honestly, I, I don't. I don't think we have what it takes right now to to be as great as we can be. Now, and that's not saying that we can't get there. You know what I'm saying? Because every week we got to, it's, it's a progression. Every week we got to get better. You see what I'm saying? I don't think we, you know, 08 National Championship team, the team that, that defense against Oklahoma was the same defense against Ole Miss. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So every week we got better. I think these guys, is, is like I said, the sky's the limit. It's, it's a lot of talent back there, but ultimately is is do we want to get great and and how 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 bad do we want to succeed and get better? You know, are, are we, we okay with being mediocre or do we want to be great? And and that's up to these guys to, to 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 make that make that turn. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Hopefully, Stewart's back soon. 
and he can get his head on straight because he, you know, when you get, you know, I just want to see him be successful because he's a talented player and that's for something sure, that sure. we can use. And then I think the other guys are, they're giving it their all. It's just taking the time to figure out like Davis throws his head around. He's flying around out there. And I think if yep. you stay healthy and fine too, it's just scary when you got a limited numbers and we're still trying to find the production at the stop. Yeah, I, I think we definitely made a, made improvements uh, in week two from week zero. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think we did that. We tackled better as well, um, even though we didn't we, we didn't play you know too too much of a tough team. You know, we still had to go out there and tackle, and I think we tackled way better than we did in week zero. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I think one of the things that you also saw is the defensive line. I mean, they played younger guys all over the uh, all over the field but i was really impressed with the way that uh, chris bogle played too uh you know i know that you know yeah. jaden hill kimbrough and elam got you know a lot of the burn but you know i thought chris bogle whenever he was on the field played absolutely menacing so you know i'm excited to see what he uh what he becomes jake did anybody else stick out to you you know it doesn't have to be a young I guy love, anybody else stick i love chatham's I might not be pronouncing that right. I loved his energy and passion out there. You could Which one? Tell that he's, D-Lyman? Uh, yeah, with the yeah. neck brace. With the big neck yeah. head, number nine. Chatfield. Chatfield, Chatfield. Chatfield, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I, love, he, I love his energy. I love his energy. That that goes so far in football, man. If, you, if you're willing to play all out every play, and to me, he was going to the whistle every play. Anybody's learning, because Jabari was there when I was there. He's learning from one of the – that dude's had a motor since I met him. So he's getting to watch one of the top DNs in college football play, and you can only – and I don't know the transfer, but he looks like he goes all out too. So they're learning from – the young guys are getting to learn from some of the best D-linemen you can find. Yeah, no, they, they lead the, the country in sacks. They have 15 sacks. They lead the country in sack yardage, and this is the most uh, amount of sacks the Gators have ever – had it over any two-game stretch ever in their history. So uh, no matter who they're playing, uh, you just got to – you got to – you know, Mod said a couple weeks ago, just be the best, best team on the field that day and uh, and do what you should do and beat the teams you're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them. And that's exactly what Florida did. So they dominate all facets of that game. They started off a little slow. You could tell they were trying some things. But outside of that, I mean, they, they looked pretty solid. One final yeah, conversation. We'll- go, go ahead, Jake. Go ahead, Jake. I was just going to say, I think we'll learn a lot these uh, these next two weeks of two SEC opponents who, on paper, we should – you know, they're good football teams, but on paper, if we're the team we think we are, we should get uh, two dominating performances and, you know, I agree. handle business the way we're supposed to. And I think we'll learn a lot these next two weeks. Let's have this conversation. Uh, my man Kadarius Tony, he's uh, out injured right now. How you guys feel about his his play? I think so, I think he's boom or bust right now. I think sometimes he tries to go for the home run, he ends up losing a lot of yards. What, what, what's your feel on Kadarius Tony? I, I, I definitely think- I, I definitely I definitely agree. Uh, you know he he plays with passion and plays with heart, but you know I think he, he you know he he got to understand that sometimes a loss is a loss, and you you much rather take the two yard loss or one yard loss than a, than a five or six yard loss. So, you know, the quicker he finds that out, uh, I think, you know, he, he thinks that, you know, because we got to spread the ball out some more, he may not get it as much. So he got to make something happen. And I think that's his mindset right now. Yeah. What, what you think, Jake? 
Yeah, I'm I'm there with you, and I think it, it's a, and I think Coach, I don't want to speak for him, but I think he probably struggles at times with what to do because if you're in just throwing the ball down the field, he's probably not one of your top three receivers. But then when he's out there, you've got to get him the ball, and you got to find a way to have him out there, and he can't get the ball every play. But you want to be able to get him the ball where he can – it's not where they don't know it's coming because there's sometimes where he's out there and it's like, as soon as the play starts, you know, he's getting it. And I just think it's uh figuring out exactly the best way to get him the football. And I truly think it will make the offense a little more, will be easier to plan for this week. Like they will do, it'll be easier to game plan as our offense without having to find touch. That in. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think there's a little bit of pressure too. Uh, a lot of the fans and a lot of the media was talking about Tony touches all offseason. So I think we've seen a concentrated effort to try to get him touches. But I think with him out, I think Dan just gets into his bag and does his thing with play calling this week. It's gonna be interesting to see how Copeland uh, plays with Tony out. Yeah, and I, I think that for Tony to be successful and it come naturally. He's got to be able to do a lot from the slot as route running as every aspect because if it's forced to get, if he's in and it's forced to get him like sixty say two out of every three he's in he gets it the defense is going to be able to spy him or follow him around with their best player or whatever it is it's just finding the best way to get him the ball without drawing attention to it yeah, that, that, yeah. that's that's definitely what it is I'm sorry Dan no, I was going to say, and I think part of that just has to, you know, kind of mentioned before is just him moving the ball north south instead of east west. You know, you got to, you got to know, you got to play with that football IQ. If it's second and five, that it's okay to take three or four yards. And you know, and if it's not Tennessee Martin, that play where he scampers, you know, across one side of the field all the way back for that one yard gain, he gets sacked against. Even a Kentucky, maybe not a Tennessee, but uh, you know, an Auburn. You know, there's there's going to be teams that are going to tackle him for you know 10, 11 yards, you know, behind the the line of scrimmage, and that's just something that you've got to be able to say, hey, it's okay to take three or four yards and not get a home run on every play. But I have seen enough with him, like on those where he does stuff like that, where I think it's easy to say, you know, take the two or three, but we've seen enough from him where it's like. You think he's down for two, and then he gets 15, 20. So it's enough. If, if I'm calling the play, sure. putting the ball in his hands, I'm okay with whatever he wants to do. You know the risk. You've seen enough of his reps on he's going to do some wild stuff once he gets it, and you got to be okay with whatever comes. Because more times than not that sure. I've seen, he's getting big plays, and, he's, and, he, and he fires up the team when he gets going because he's doing stuff. He's just a as electric as it gets. He does stuff that, you know, normal people can't do. Sure. Well, Jake, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, what are you up to these days? So I, I've finished playing. Um, I actually just started a, a fellowship thing in D.C. with the NFL Players Association. So I'm awesome. up here, and uh, now oh. I'm just a fan. First fall, I've had free ever. So I'm just watching football and, uh, you know, starting that life after. So I'm excited. That's cool. Hey man, come That's hang awesome. out with us, man, every now and then. Kick it with us. I'm gonna come down to the um the FSU game. So I'll, I'll hit you guys up and we'll link up and tailgate, Let's do whatever, go. get after it. Oh, definitely. Sure. Let's hang sure. out. Look, I heard you got the tailgate, so. Hey, I'm trying to do the tailgate, Jay. <laughs> yeah, hit, hey, hey, hit, hit, 
Tailgate Master right now. That's what we the try. people are saying. I got to check it out. Hey, the vibes is real, man. When you pull up, we're going to have one Florida State game, man. So pull up. All right, I'll be there. Count me in. Gotcha, bro. All right, bro. We appreciate, right, appreciate you coming on, Jake. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Jake McGee. Jake McGee. Got a great follow on Twitter. Really, really funny guy. Really funny guy. Well, I think that gets us uh, to football. Um, you know, national football, obviously a big week. Uh, nationally, uh, we saw what LSU did to uh, to Texas. We saw what happened to yeah, Tennessee, buddy. what happened to Florida State. We saw uh, USC had a big win uh, over Stanford that I don't think anybody was anticipating. Uh, but let's get, a, uh, let's get a national guest on. This is a guy that I've known for, I've followed for a long, long time since I first got on Twitter like 10 years ago. Guy by the name of Sports by Brooks. So we're going to get him on, talk about a little national football. Let's go, oh. man. That's what we're here for. All right. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. This week's guest of the week is brought to you by Brown Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you need insured from the panhandle to the keys, my man Greg can take care of you. Anything mobile, uh, you have a home, anything you need insured, holler at my Greg, holler at my boy Greg. His number is 954-589-2204. Again, that number is 954-589-2204. Brand Insurance Financial Services. And this guest of the week is Sports by Brooks, right? Sports by Brooks? Sports by Brooks. Brooks, 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 Brooks. You got it. <laughs> Brooks, uh, talk to us about uh, college football and the landscape. Uh, what are you uh, What are you most surprised about? Uh, what are you unsurprised about? Well, so far I'm surprised about LSU. I think everybody's got to be kind of surprised because I don't know about you guys, but this is not your father's LSU. I mean, this is a team that always has great talent, great recruiting for the most part but a stone age offense and Ed Orgeron may have cracked the code bringing in Joe Brady. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm sitting here and I know it's good God it's early, but college football is all about overreaction, isn't it? <laughs> and although, although I love Alabama and I love Georgia, how can you not? I mean, I'm thinking LSU is going to be right in there. I'm not quite sure they've got the, the level of talent that they need to break through uh, to the college football playoff final, let alone the SEC championship. But they're on the come now, and I think you really got to start to take them seriously. Uh, other than that, who the hell knows? Nobody's playing anybody, so uh, it, it's impossible to know what's going to happen. I mean, the Florida game's interesting coming in just to see how you all play. I mean, it's still kind of hard. Miami was just so god-awful. That was just a <laughs> – I know it's a Florida podcast, but holy cow, is that a bad yeah. game. But then again, yeah, it's winning ugly. I mean, that's what Dan Mullen does. He just wins and wins ugly. What? Uh, so, so talk, let, let's go back to the LSU Texas game real quick. I, you know, I know LSU kind of came out the victor, and and everybody's talking about LSU as, as kind of being this world beater. Not necessarily. I know you didn't just say that, but they're kind of coming out. And Joe Burrow's Heisman uh, chances are now five to one. Uh, why do you think there's so much talk about their offense, but not the fact that their their defense let up? 500 plus yards well yeah well um 
That's a good question. You know, it's hard to say, and I, and I, and I think touche on that one because um, Texas is a little underwhelming, and I'm not impressed by Texas. And, and the defense was a problem there. And, but I think more than anything, guys, again, and I know you guys follow college football, mm-hmm. and I think it's understandable there would be an overreaction on LSU because, Jesus H, is that a horrible offense LSU throws out there every year? <laughs> yeah. and, 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 I mean, it's just horrible. It's yeah. terrible. And, and I think people are so – now, you guys are sitting down there in Florida – and you're and you're going through that thing obviously with a magnifying glass. You got a mm-hmm. you got a fine tooth comb. I think it's just it, it's good for college football. It's a little bit it reminds me of we talked about this on my show today. USC. I mean, I know they're running the damn air raid. It's like a freaking junior high school offense. So what? It, it, it yeah. looks their USC seems like they're back. And, and so uh, it's almost like I'm a Georgia fan, and I can tell you, obviously, if we're playing LSU, I'm ready to kill LSU. I don't care. Yeah. But it's good for the game. It's yeah. good for the game to have them, uh, you know, uh, be, play exciting football because it just right. it almost makes you want to turn it off. I mean, that's why I'm very interested to see how Florida does, how Franks does uh, mm-hmm. following that team because I don't know what to think, guys, where you guys are going with that team. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, these guys can jump in too. I, I don't I don't know if we know yet, right? I You know, I don't think – I think what happened is, is a lot of people thought – a lot of people talked about Felipe Franks this offseason because he ended the season pretty well last year. Obviously, Florida ended up, you know, blowing out FSU and Michigan to end the season, and, and Franks had pretty good games there. So I think – and then you had nine months to stew on that, right, or eight months to stew on that. And because of that, I think expectations for Felipe Franks were probably a little bit higher than they should have been. Uh, I think what Felipe Franks is is very similar to really what every quarterback has been under Dan Mullen, except for maybe Tim Tebow. And that's a game manager, right? You know, you can add Dak Prescott in there too, but a guy that, you know, needs to deliver the ball where he needs to, doesn't turn the ball over is maybe a a 65, 70% passer. I think that that's what it is. And I think when he went out and and struggled a little bit uh, against Miami in week zero, that all of a sudden people are like, well, this guy sucks. It's like, well, no, that guy is exactly who he was before, and, and he had a couple of costly turnovers. But, you know, Florida doesn't turn the ball over on the seven-yard line. And then, you know, in that pitch to, to Malik Davis, you know, it's maybe 17-3, to three, and then all of a sudden Florida has all the momentum, and it's completely different. So I think it's some expectation setting. But then, you know, the next week he goes out and sets the UF, you know, passing percentage uh, mark at, what, 92.6 this last game. So – I don't think we know what, what Franks is or isn't just yet this season. I got, I got a question for you guys real fast, all, all of you guys on this one. How is Mullen recruiting, and do you think this is going to be the talent level that you're used to seeing with Florida Gator football? Well, I think, I think, you know, I think right, so far his recruiting hasn't been anything elite. But I think you're going to see in the next coming weeks uh, the results of us being the best team in the state. I think we're going to see some immediate results from that within the, within the next week or two, if not tomorrow. So I think you're going to start seeing the big names like the, the, the Walkers and the Henry Grace and those guys start to pop uh, just because they was kind of waiting to see who are good. I mean, when you're the top team in the state, usually that team is going to get you a top seven, one to seven class. So. That's why I expect this class to be this year. And I think if he's getting top seven-ish classes, he'll be fine. Yeah, but you also got to understand, <clears throat> it's a brand, though. 
you know, at the end of the day, it's the Florida brand as well. So, uh, you know, all we got to do is keep winning as a team. Uh, and a lot of that uh, are following this place. Everybody will want to be in this environment. I know when I came here uh, to the University of Florida in, uh, around 2006, uh, Gainesville was the place to be. You know, who didn't want to be in Gainesville? Everybody was trying to go to Santa Fe just to get close to UF. So once we get it to where, to where it's, you know, Gainesville is the place to be, the happening place, and that's when everything going to change. Yeah, I think I think I just think it's tough right now for Mother. You look at the way uh, Kirby Smart's recruiting is looking elite. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's one of our rivals. Uh, that's pretty much who we're competing with in the East every year. So when you compare ours to where ours now and what Kirby's at, I get why people say Mullen got to step his game up. But I think you'll see some results of of, of the winning on the field this year and, and helping us uh, get get those top notch recruits in state. Uh, Dan, I'm also really interested, and, yeah. and actually, I'm interested in your guys' response to this. When you look at the stadium at Florida State right now, you're talking about a great brand. There, there probably aren't many better overall, you know, historical brands in the Florida State Seminoles. But when you see those images of those stadiums, or the of the of uh, the stadium there, what kind of impact does that have? An impact on recruits when they see that, and it turns them off. At Florida State or at Florida? I'm talking about Florida State. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think so. <laughs> I think Florida right, State's that's about what it, to have it's some major issues on their hands. Uh, there's some recruits that are coming out now uh, talking about not only the product on that field, uh, but obviously the, the kind of lackluster fan support. And I don't think that there's a reason for fans. You know, Tallahassee being in the panhandle isn't very close to most of Florida. So, you know, I think they're going to have a really difficult time unless they change the product on their field, convincing people to drive three, four, five, six, seven, even eight hours, you know, up to Tallahassee. Uh, and, but this is where Florida needs to absolutely blow the socks off of. Right. Florida that's State what I was thinking. That, that's a huge opening. Yeah. Cause you, you only what have, a- I mean, you, you've been following obviously college football for, for a long time. You, you have these windows in time that you need to be able to recruit at an elite level and win at an elite level before, you know, your time runs out. It's very difficult to be on the top of the totem pole for very long. So you need to strike while the iron's hot. And, and you're right. They do need to, to probably recruit a little bit better. Uh, or you mentioned that, you know, Florida might need to recruit a little bit better. Um, I want to answer your question in kind of a different way. I think that Florida's recruiting fine. You know, they, they were unable to, to convert some of their top recruits to this past uh, cycle. You know, they had uh, one uh, transfer to, to USC and Chris Steele. They had uh, their top linebacker commit, not make it on the campus for not qualifying. But the one thing that I think that I've seen Dan Mullen do uh, is really use that transfer, part, transfer portal in a smart way, uh, bringing in Van Jefferson and Trevon Grimes, uh, and then last or this past uh, offseason, he brought in Jonathan Grenard, who has, I think, four you know sacks on the season thus far from from Louisville. So I really like the way that Den Mullen's been filling in the gaps uh, that way. So I'd like to get your thoughts on on that if you if you have one. Uh, but overall, I'd love to get your thoughts on the transfer portal and how you think that's going to affect college football and how you think that's affecting uh, recruiting, uh, I, I guess, as well. I think I think it's going to change the face of college football and. Uh, you know, one thing that's happening out here, guys, you may or may not know about, and, and this also co- talks about change. This also relates to change in the face of college football. And this is coming down here in the next few days, possibly with the California legislature. They're voting on a bill that very well could be passed into law, guys, 
where college football players at UCLA, USC, Cal, Stanford, Fresno State, those schools, uh, if this law passes, those schools are going to have the ability for the players on those football teams to benefit financially from their likenesses and their names. In other words, they can sign a deal with Nike while they're playing if this law goes into effect. It could go into effect if it passes as soon as 2023. Now, getting back to the transfer portal, I think it's part of it. I think what happens is when you keep kids down and you don't fairly compensate them, this is a natural thing, and it's only going to continue, and it's only going to get worse, and, the, and it's a slippery slope. It's a little bit like when you see that pinprick in a dam, you know, and then all of a sudden the water starts to spring out. That's really what the transfer portal represents to me. And, you know, if you've got – I mean, when you look at the amount of money that college football makes, it makes more than all other major commercial spectator sports except for the NFL. It makes more money than the NBA. It makes more money than MLB. So, you know, when you look at these, uh, these we call them kids, but these young men wanting an opportunity to, to look out for themselves when they don't even have guaranteed health care in writing, I think the least you could do is give them freedom of movement. And the NCAA is just playing a losing game. They're playing a losing battle. It's just a matter of time. That law I talked about could also be one of those pinpricks. So, I, you know, I'm all for players being able to have freedom of movement. This is, this is a professional game. It's professional football for everyone but the players. And it's about time the players got to treat it fairly. How do you think, uh, obviously, if that law goes into effect, I know that there's a few years, I'm, I would imagine that, that the legal battle certainly wouldn't be over quickly. Uh, how do you think that that then affects the NCAA and their ability to enact that? Because, you know, I would imagine that California or maybe a, only a handful of states would have that, that provision in well, place by 2023. Well, that's a great question. And it's funny because I just did a show, a radio show in North Carolina in Charlotte, and I found out through that radio show that they've got this bill now pending in the North Carolina legislature, and that's in direct response for the possibility it could happen in the state of California. I don't know about you guys, but if you're recruiting and you're at USC and you're Clay Helton and you can tell your guys or you're a basketball coach and you can tell recruits, hey, fellas, come over to USC and you're going to have a shoe deal because that's exactly what we're talking about. That's the extent of it, guys. And you can't say that in Florida or Alabama. And you know how some of these states like North Carolina and basketball, Alabama and football, those legislatures, those things, they could mobilize overnight. Sure. You know, the whole state is the whole state is configured to especially a place like Alabama, Louisiana, to how, support how college football. How does those state laws apply to, to institutions like NCAA? They still will have to put their own things in right and whatnot. Well, the NCAA has absolutely... Marijuana is legal in Denver, but the Denver Broncos players can't smoke it. Right, right. Well, those are, you know, private situations inside those internal organizations. I think that the NFL can make whatever rules, just like any company can drug test you, just because of it's legal. And so in the case of the NFL, that's a whole different ball of wax. Here's something to really understand, guys. Take a look at the field. Take a look at the helmets. Take a look at the... The, even that 150 logo on the players' uniforms that you see, do you see an NCAA logo anywhere? No, 
You don't. Now, when you watch college basketball, you do. You see it everywhere, that NCAA logo. Why is that? The reason is, in the mid-'80s, guys, uh, the NCAA was sued by the college football factories, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Georgia, all the big schools got together, and they sued for the right to control television. And they won that right in a federal lawsuit. The NCAA was cut out of the financial pie as far as football is concerned. So now the NCAA in football specifically really has no more authority other than an empty storefront as, as you know, this, this organization that supposedly enforces rules. But really what that represents as, is a pretense not to pay the players, right? We have this NCAA thing, and that's the last thing we have to justify not paying the players. Now, but here's the thing, guys. Think about this. When was the last time a high-profile college football star was ruled ineligible? No one can even name it, right? <laughs> we've, got in, we've got in-house compliance. Why do we have in-house compliance? Because the NCAA has no authority, because they lost that control in that 1980s lawsuit. That sounds a little bit ridiculous that we don't know that. So now double back to what we're talking about. Double back to that likeness benefiting financially. You know what's going to happen is the big-time schools, they're going to try to use that NCAA thing. They're going to throw it at this thing to try to prevent it from happening. But at this point, the NCAA has no authority. The NCAA is threatening to say, well, UCLA, USC, we won't allow them in the college football playoff. How can you do that? You have nothing to do with the college football playoff. Your logo right. is not even on the field or the helmet. So they're not going to be able to stop it. And what you're going to see happen, Dan, you brought up a great point. We're going to have litigation. The NCAA is going to litigate it. But in my mind, this is an inevitability. Whether Kansas, uh, whether California does it, it's going to happen somewhere. Here's the other thing I think could happen. You know, when you work as a student, let's say at the cafeteria and you go to school at UCLA or you clean toilets as a student, you are part of a student employee union at UCLA or if you go to Cal, and let's say you bust your ass and clean in toilets and hurt yourself. Well, well, as a member of that student employee union at UCLA, you have guaranteed health care. If you play for UCLA's football team, though, you do not have guaranteed health care. In fact, no college football player right now has guaranteed health care in writing. So that's one more thing I'm just throwing out there when it comes to the injustice of college football. That's crazy. So, I mean, you break up. I mean, you bring up some some really unbelievable points there. So, let's just say this all works out right the way that that you anticipate this working out. What do you see as then the governing structure over college football? I mean, do you see a separate organization that exists to then govern college football, or how do well, you the, then govern an organizational you know situation like this where it it, it would inevitably become a lot more wild, wild west, like, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. I think it guys, it's just a matter of managing it. You know, it reminds me a little bit, the situation, uh, you guys probably aren't classic rock and roll fans, but when I was growing up in the 1970s, cutting edge music was like Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones. That was, you know, that's what 15 year old girls were listening to when you're trying to get a date, the Rolling Stones, that was a long time ago. And then, you had classic rock, 
where you change the format so it's a little bit older on the radio. Then you move it over to oldies, right? And what? And now Led Zeppelin and the Stones are oldies, and that's for 40-year-old people. What's happening there? What they're doing in the radio business is they're trying to milk that format, milk that type of music financially for all that's worth. You know, you're not going to make as much money in advertising in oldies as you were when it was the cutting-edge music, but they're still going to try to make some money out of it. And I think that's what you're going to continue to see, Dan, in college football in general, specifically, though, college football, as we talked about. It's a special case away from the rest of the NCAA sports. And so it comes down to what's the media's response? What's the public's response? Are they going to demand fair compensation for the players? Are they going to demand health care and writing for the players? Or are the schools going to continue to get away with the charades? So when you ask me, what's the governance structure? Uh, who's to say? I mean, right mm-hmm. now we have this absurd situation where we have in-house compliance. Think about that. That's the mm-hmm. criminals <laughs> supposedly reporting on themselves. And the mm-hmm. NCAA does not police anything. There are no rules. Nick Saban, understand, I'm not saying he's the only one who does it. Nick Saban can cut a player whenever he wants. And if that player wants to bring up a stink about it, Nick Saban says to him, you want to say something or complain in public, I will bury you. I will not help you get to another school. That's reality. That's what he's getting away with. That's what most coaches are doing and getting away with. So uh, when you say, what's the governance, how's the structure, you know, I think they're just going to get away with what we allow, what the public allows them to get away with. This is maybe opening up a huge can of worms, but following that up with what do you think the public is open to letting players get away with? Right. Um, I think that that's the biggest question. I think that that line has moved a lot. But you know, what's funny I, with, I think with the way you... fandom is greater than what ultimately a lot of these people care what these kids do. Do you, do you agree? Um, I think that uh, that's a really great question. It's kind of a psychological question. Um, the one thing that's interesting to me about it is it's the one commercial spectator sport that we have left. And remember, I'm a Georgia Bulldog, okay? Graduated University of Georgia. Don't need to remind us. Love the (laughs) yeah. Thanks for that. We appreciate that. We'll edit that one out. But um, so I just as a qualifier. But when you think about this situation, the majority of the people who are being affected financially in the situation are African Americans, and this is you know the second largest revenue commercial spectator sport in the United States, and nobody the people that create that. Uh, that create that situation, the labor, and they are playing a life-endangering sport. We know by now. They don't have guaranteed health care. I know I've gone on and on about it. But it's really hard to, to imagine that in 100 years, people aren't going to be writing dissertations in college saying, holy mackerel, they weren't paying those guys? I mean, this looks a lot like the gladiators in Rome, and this is kind of the last vestige of it. So, I mean, here's the thing. It, it's built on the pom-poms. It's built on the fight song and all that. I understand that. And I, there really isn't any answer to what you're saying. But I, I think a, a part of it is guys like me screaming about it. And I, 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 here's the last thing, though, when it comes to this subject. Not the last thing, but a big part of it, guys, is remember we talked about how students 
at UCLA, for instance, and this happens in a lot of states where the university system in that state has student employee unions. Understand that if the UCLA players or the Cal players just decided to walk across the street, let's say to the UAW, and ask the UAW, an existing union, hey, will you help us unionize? Now, that started to happen at, of all places, freaking Northwestern, right? That almost took place. And I believe if another school at a higher profile, more traditional college football factory tries it, it may happen. I think unionization is the future for the players. They've got to look out for themselves. And I think educating the players to that extent, the injustice, the injustice that's being perpetrated on them. I mean, guys, think back to Missouri and think about what happened just at the hint of a protest that the Missouri players might not play or they might not practice. Do you remember that in that BYU situation a few years yeah. ago? Well, all, all hell broke loose, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody just like went nuts and they fired the, the, the president of the whole university yeah. system. And, and I think that's an indication, guys, that people in Missouri, they know what they're doing and it's not right. And so mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can to, start, to placate those players from doing anything. So you, you can see we're kind of, in a sense, the players have a lot of power. They don't realize it. It's kind of hanging by a thread. I mean, that's most sports, though. I mean, the players are the power. I mean, sometimes it, they unionize and you get – I mean, it's all negotiated stuff. But let me ask you this, man. I mean, there's a lot of coaches with um, – a lot of hires that went down this around the same time that Mullen went down. And a lot of these guys aren't looking good. You got Scott Frost at Nebraska, um, Willie Taggart at Florida State, and also my man Chip Kelly at UCLA. Do you see any of those guys maybe getting fired in this year too? I think Chip Kelly very well could get fired before the end of the season. I said this on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm out here in L.A. And there's a tremendous amount of dissatisfaction over Chip Kelly because we already know he doesn't like to recruit. He said it publicly. Kind of the wrong thing to say if you're a college football coach. But Chip Kelly used to be innovative. He used to run that fast break office that nobody could figure out. Now a lot of people are running it themselves. He doesn't have any answers. And if you look at their schedule, guys, that's a one-win season. That's a two-win yeah. season in a horrible league. Yeah. <laughs> so they've got to play Oklahoma next week. Jeremy Pruitt, I, I highly doubt that, there's, that he's not going to make, make it through the season, barring a total disaster. Scott Frost is safe for now. But I do think Chip Kelly's a guy who could be in trouble. The other guy to think about is Clay Helton. And we talked about Urban Meyer. We've been talking about Urban Meyer out here in L.A., and if USC, think about this, guys, if USC were to get Urban Meyer, now the Pac-12 is way down. Compare the Pac-12 to the ACC in this case. Urban Meyer, in my opinion, if he went to USC, would do for the Pac-12 what Dabo has done for the ACC at Clemson. You take Dabo, one guy out of the ACC, what happens to that conference? It's like, uh, wah, 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 you know, the balloon <laughs> deflates as far as the ACC. Now, you know, I know North Carolina's off to a good start, and they've got some decent teams besides Clemson, but it's the same thing with the Pac-12. They need an injection of life. That said, you've got this kid, Keaton Slovis, a quarterback out at USC right now who caught mm-hmm. fire. I don't know if you guys are aware yep. of him, but mm-hmm. this could represent a huge turnaround for USC, and I think Clay Helton – might actually have a fighting chance, believe it or not, to keep his job. So, so 
uh, Brooks, obviously you're out there. Let's just say for whatever reason, and I'm not sure that Urban is interested in getting back and coaching this year, but let's just say that he is. And he goes to USC and says, hey, I'm interested in coaching at one school and it's USC. Would they fire Clay Helton even if they go, let's just say 10-2 and two this year, to try to get a, a guy like Urban Meyer? And is it worth it for them? Yes, and yes, okay. as far as they're concerned. And the reason is, first of all, USC – is the Urban Meyer of universities, pretty much. Yeah. You talk about scandal. You talk about yeah. a disaster, mm-hmm. a quagmire. It can't get any worse. It's amoral. But then again, some people might describe college football that way, right? <laughs> but, but so uh, we won't go there. In fact, I've already gone there. So we'll leave it at that. But I'll say this much about Clay Helton. And this is something that's kind of inside baseball out here in Los Angeles. I know a lot of alums. I'm around the program a lot. And I can tell you, that even though you're probably going to see big numbers, you're probably going to see a lot of wins. They may have a 10-win season. They may upset Notre Dame this year. They're running that junior high uh, offense, that air raid offense. And because you've got the blue blood mentality out here at USC, they like the running game. They like the more traditional offense. Clay Helton is a country club guy. He's not a USC guy. I really think they could win 10 games. They might win 11 games. And I wouldn't be surprised if they got a shot to get Urban Meyer. The guy out here, by the way, who's going to make that call, and I mentioned this earlier on Twitter, is the CEO and founder of Public Storage. He's a trustee oh, wow. on the board at USC. Wayne Hughes is the guy. Is he taking over for Lynn Swan? Because I saw that he – was he – I mean, I, I would imagine that Lynn Swan was forced out, or did he actually step down? No, actually, this is how it works, and, and it works this way at every school pretty much that I'm aware of. Uh, Wayne Hughes is the most influential. He's a billionaire. He's the most influential member of the board of trustees. So that's where these college football hires go through. They go through the board of trustees. So, for instance, at UCLA, Casey Wasserman is the most influential uh, member of the board of trustees at UCLA. His name's all over the place. His name's on the football facility, Wasserman. It's actually a function of his grandfather, Lou Wasserman, but Casey Wasserman's family, they make the call. In fact, he makes the call on hiring Chip Kelly and being able to raise the money to pay him. Wayne Hughes, exactly the same thing. If you look at Ohio State, the guy who created Victoria's Secret and the Limited, Les Wexner, worth $6 billion, he's the guy who makes the calls at Ohio State. He's also the guy, I might add, that happened to be a client of Jeffrey Epstein, a sex offender. Who knew? <laughs> so, uh, but, but, but that's my point is a guy like Lynn Swan, you guys yeah. are probably going to find out who the next head football coach at USC at the same time Lynn Swan will. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, so what you're saying is because FSU doesn't have one of those guys, they're stuck with Willie Taggart. <laughs> not necessarily uh, now here's the thing i mean you know it really doesn't matter boy you're enjoying that too you guys are just you're bathing oh, in that. Yeah, you're luxuriating yeah, in that. Yeah, we went through it. it wasn't as bad but we went through it i've been sleeping like a baby and like, i want them to get i want them to get willie an extension asap <laughs> well, we need to talk about that um uh, hey brooks um what we'll wrap this up. We really appreciate you coming on tonight. Uh, I, and I know we're, uh, we're glad to have you back in the sports media world. Tell everybody where they can find you uh, on Twitter and, and online and everywhere else. 
Well, you can find me at Sports by Brooks on Twitter. I'm at sportsbybrooks.com. And I now, guys, boy, you're probably, uh, you know, you're probably walked out of the room and got an egg salad sandwich while I was talking. I could talk so much, <laughs> I know. But if you want to hear more of that, I'm on every day at noon Eastern time on the FanCred app, F-A-N-C-R-E-D. Okay. Like today we had, uh, we may have to have you on, Dan. We've had, um, there you go. today we had Tim, we had Tim Brando on today to talk college football for about a half hour. We had uh, Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. We had uh, Jordy Collada, who used to do a radio show with Ed Orgeron, ESPN Baton Rouge. So we're doing college football all day, every day covering the country and uh, talking about a little bit about the stuff that we're talking about. Absolutely. It was an absolute pleasure getting you on. It's always fun to talk about the social aspect as well as the, uh, the other game aspect of it. So, uh, so great job. Thanks so much for having us on uh, Brooks and we'll, uh, we'll have you on in the future. Thanks so much, fellas. Take care. Absolutely. Go All right, Gators. man. Appreciate it, man. Great content. Thanks for coming on. Dope. Sports by bro, bro. Have some good, man, bro. Have some good content. A very good conversation, bro. I got lost yeah. in it for a minute. I was vibing. <laughs> uh, oh, real quick. Into, yeah, we got to get into. We got these uh, Wildcats. We got to play this week, so we got to get into this this breakdown and matchup for the upcoming week, which is week three. We got a new sponsor that jumped on board. Uh, the breakdown, the, the the matchup breakdown for this week is brought to you by Gator Kicks. Number one, uh, source for customized gear, anything you need customized, shirts, uh, uh, Jordans, any other, uh, you want any of the Dan Mullen Fours, the gear. Uh, they also got the uh, Ahmad Black Legend Edition t-shirt that's out. Go visit them boys at thegatorkicks.com. That's the website. Or you visit them on Facebook and Twitter, uh, the Gator Kicks. And on IG, it's Gator underscore Kicks. Shout out with them boys, man. Dope gear, dope shoes. They got us all. A little drip. Dan, you want your drip yet? You Gator Kicks drip? Not yet. I'm, I'm waiting for the perfect time to break it out, boys. And then I'm still waiting on my uh, my custom shirt that's going to be made. They making you a shirt, too? Oh, they, they didn't let you know that they were going to make one for you, too? Oof. I know they, I know they got me a mod <laughs> taken care of. Hey, man. Hey. <laughs> it's part oh, of all man. Americans. like, oh, my, my bad self. <laughs> Damn, no, I, I told I told I told them to give you the special treatment since you know get a letterman jacket. You know? hey, I, I, <laughs> hey, I'm ready for my uh, my custom made driving loafers too. <laughs> All right, man, let's get into the Tennessee matchup, man. Um, Kentucky matchup. Kentucky matchup. Yeah, yeah, Kentucky matchup. <laughs> Long night. You must be scared of Tennessee. No, I'm waiting on it. I can't. I can't wait. I can't, I can't wait I just, to play so, them boys. I know we don't play them until next week, but why the hell, man, I'm so mad at the game at noon. Oh, my God. It, so it sucks because they're so bad. Okay, so this is our first uh, game on the road. How you feeling about it, Dan? They got their quarterback uh, went down this week. going to be out for the season. So we're going to get a, a new quarterback. From watching the game, um, I checked out the last two games. I had some time. They they run the ball pretty decent. They're averaging about two hundred yards a game rush, running the ball. I just don't see without that court with the quarterback going down. I don't see how they can be able to generate and move the ball on us. Um, our defense has been playing really well. Uh, one of the things that may got me a little hesitant is my man Chris Henderson being down. How you feeling yeah. about the match? Yeah, yeah, they uh, they're starting a. 
I think I don't know if he's a redshirt junior or, or a senior. He's a, a transfer from Troy. Uh, Sawyer Smith is his name. He came in uh, towards the end of the game, threw the ball nine times for five completions, 76 yards, two touchdowns. He looked pretty good uh, in their last game, and they were only playing Eastern Michigan, I believe it was. So, uh, again, not a not a great opponent. Terry Wilson was, was pretty electric uh, when he had the ball in his hands. I know he wasn't the most prolific passer. Let's see, he was 33-52 for 360. Uh, yeah. had a 6.9 average, but, uh, you know, he was, he was mobile. I know that he didn't run a lot this year, but, you know, he had one rush for 32 yards, uh, this season, but, but last year he, you know, he moved the ball around a little bit. So, um, he was slippery against us, man. Uh, Terry yeah. was last. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm sorry. I that? lied. He, he's run the ball 17 times for 44 yards. And then he, uh, last year he had 547. So he's definitely a guy that was going to run the ball. Sawyer Smith is not that guy. Uh, he's going to be more of a pocket passer for them. Uh, I like Florida's chances because I think that they can get to to him as a quarterback. Uh, you know, I think that they were going to have to play a little bit more contain uh, with Terry Wilson. And in this situation, I think that they can, you know, really utilize those those top, you know, four defensive uh, linemen and then those linebackers and a kind of a blitz heavy offense to force uh, Sawyer Smith to pass the ball uh, this year. So. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's definitely a different offense than than what Florida was was anticipating. Hey, Black, uh, my man Brad Stewart sent out a tweet, kind of uh, pretty much saying tweeted and also on Instagram. He sent out something pretty much saying he's a a free man off suspension and, and he's playing this week. What do you expect? Do you think he um, jumps right into that starting lineup, or you think that makes him uh, earn it a little bit, earn them reps? I mean, sure, you got to earn it, but you know. I, I, it's got to be a team effort. And the more bodies we get back there, the better we are anyway. So uh, I, I think he lets them earn it a little bit. Uh, you know, just come out of tackle. That's all we need. Don't give up the big play. Come out of tackle. And, and, and we'll be fine. You know, I, you know, like I say, man, he's a great player. But, you know, it's, it's a lot of great players. You see what I'm saying? And you can't be bigger than the team. So um, I hope he gets his act together. Um, I know he will. So I'm excited for him to get out there and spin it. Another thing in the secondary I'm interested to see with uh, C.J. Henderson being out is, is actually who starts where. Uh, does Dean go outside and maybe somebody else come to the star? Do you play one of the freshmen? Uh, do you, I, I want to see how that works out. Does Bernie play the star and then Dean slots outside? I think so. That there's a lot of uh, unknowns as far as who's going to line up when we when we get out there Saturday. What would you guys do? I know what I would do. Let's see what you would do. Uh, I, I, I I don't know. I I go on the young guys on the outside. Keep training. Yeah, inside. yeah. I think I think you keep everything and then you add. I don't know. Out of the three, Kimbrough, uh, Hill, or Elam, uh, you put one of those guys out there. I would probably put Elam out there. Although you know Chester, I think did a really good job as well. Uh, but I think you throw one of the young guys in there, and that way you're not changing too much because then you're moving Trey Dean, and then you're moving Amari Burney, and then you're you're just changing a lot. In that circumstance, you can just change, you know, one, and then you know throw, you know, some maybe additional safety help out but, there. But if we, we if we go any any you know two cornerback sets, though, you got to have Marco and, and Trey out there. Yeah, but they, they don't really do a lot of that. Those two, yeah, nobody, nobody. We, we, don't, we don't really, yeah, because they, they spread too much. So, but you know, if, the, if you know, if they were to do that, you know, uh, especially like on, on goal line or something like that, because you know, people like to bring in tight ends and stuff. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't feel comfortable with one of them, them younger guys out there, like say on the island or something, 
out there, one of the big guys in the, in the red zone. I would like to see um, – I like us in every phase of the game versus Kentucky. Uh, I don't think they're better than us at any in any phase of the game. Uh, I would like to see our running game do so, like 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 you said earlier in the show, uh, cut out some of the zone blocking schemes, just go hat on the hat, just push some guys around, kind of kill the, a little bit of the thinking and whatnot. So I would like to see us do more hat on hat blocking in the run game, push some people around. But I don't see Kentucky being able to beat us in any phase of the game. We should have beat this team handily, like we should have beat Miami. But, yeah, there, there's no reason why Florida shouldn't absolutely, um, you know, win this game by maybe two touchdowns or 17 points. I think right now, depending on the sports book, and it might have even had a little bit. I haven't looked since last night. It's anywhere between nine and a half and 11 point favorites as, for the Gators. I think that Florida wins by at least two touchdowns. You know, this isn't the same Kentucky team as last year, especially with Wilson out. You know, Benny Snell went off to the NFL and, and you know, he was really a thorn in the Gator side for all four years that he was in Kentucky. So, you know, I think they've got a decent rushing attack. Uh, they've got Asim Rose, who has 33 attempts for 146 yards. And then they have another guy. Um, I might have to ask our guests how to pronounce this, but I think it's Cavallose Smoke, uh, who's a freshman. Cavassier. 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 It might be. It might be. Um, it's definitely, they took some liberty on the spelling if it is. But, uh, yeah, 18 attempts, 170 yards, averaging nearly 10 yards a, uh, a carry. So two touchdowns. So, you know, they definitely have, you know, some some running attack. But, again, you know, Florida, you, they put that pressure on Sawyer Smith to pass the ball, you know, I don't know how good of a passer he was. You know, his stats at Troy State uh, or Troy uh, weren't all that great. So, you know, you put some additional pressure on him to throw the ball or you just stack that box and try to block uh, Cavassier Smith and then Asim Rose. But uh, we as, don't know as, as much uh, about it as our <laughs> as our next guest. So we're going to get uh, we're going to get him on and uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, about Kentucky. It's the Kentucky guests on here to talk, talk this thrashing. Big bluegrass. And hey, what's your favorite bourbon while we wait for him? Four Roses. Four Roses. All right. Black. I don't, I don't like that, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm disappointed. Hey, Very disappointed. You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Uh, leaving our bourbon discussion, uh, by the way, Blanton's is the uh, the way to go. Uh, we have Jeff Drummond from Rivals coming on. Uh, Cats Illustrated. Jeff, how are you doing today? Hey, doing well. How about you guys tonight? Good, good. Get out, hey, man. Be great, man. We're great. Hey, Jeff, <laughs> we have to ask the most important question of the night. What is your favorite bourbon? Woodford Reserve. Okay. Oh, any, nice. Any special, special type or just, just regular old Woodford Reserve? No, I'm, I'm kind of an original bourbon guy, you know. Okay. You can't, right. me, you can't oh, mess okay. up what's already been uh, made by perfection. You know? it, depends on, it depends on my budget, bro. It depends on the budget. <laughs> oh, there you go. That's, that's a big it. one. That's the hey, Jeff. Go ahead, Black. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. 
Jeff, talk to us about the uh, the Kentucky team. Obviously, we talked a little bit before you came on about Terry Wilson uh, going out for the uh, for the year. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how the uh, the team changes with uh, with Sawyer Smith uh, at the helm, and and then ultimately how you guys have looked this season so far. Well, they're a little bit shell shocked right now, as, as you can imagine, and, and and trying to pick themselves up because the, Terry Wilson was a really and, and is I should say is he's not dead you know he's he's just injured but very popular guy on this team really good team leader a guy that everyone in that locker room uh, likes and respects uh, so it's it's really going to be tough for them I think to kind of get themselves back uh, emotionally after this but you have a guy in Sawyer Smith that you know they feel really good about uh, they're super confident in his ability. Uh, to step in and, and, and pick up the slack. He may not be as dynamic as Terry was in the RPO game and being able to kind of stress the defense a little bit with his legs. Uh, but this is a kid with a big-time arm who can really get it down the field accurately and kind of has a reputation uh, for being very good on the deep ball. Uh, so we were we were just talking about the running game. It seems like you know you guys might rely on the running game a little bit more uh, with Sawyer Smith coming in. And I know Asim Rose uh, has started off pretty well. And then there's a freshman running back. Is his name Cavassier? Cavassier, yep. Cavassier. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I wasn't sure. They took a, they took some liberty on uh, on his spelling. So Cavassier Smoke. Talk to us a little bit about those two guys. Well, uh, really good two-headed running attack right now. They think they have three really good backs, uh, but Chris Rodriguez, the other guy in the mix, fumbled twice in the opener. He's kind of in the doghouse a bit until he gets that corrected. Um, but but two guys they can really lean on that, that are proven uh, right now. Smoke has brought an added dimension uh, to them with explosive runs that they haven't had since Boom Williams played for Kentucky. Uh, uh, you guys may remember Boom, but, uh, you know, Benny Snell, as good as he was the last three years, was more of a battering ram, uh, you know, he, but he wasn't a huge breakaway threat, and that's what they've kind of found with Cavassier Smoke. He's the first guy that they've found in program history since they started keeping stats uh, that has a touchdown run of 32 yards or longer in his first two games. Uh, here, so he, he's been a lot of fun to watch. the The key to all of those guys, really, though, is the the five guys in front of them, and and six or seven if you count the tight ends. They've got a mean, physical, nasty offensive line. A uh, bunch of veteran guys who have played a lot of football, and 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 some impressive looking tight ends that are getting better. Not quite up to par with the way C.J. Conrad was in the blocking game. Uh, last year, CJ's now with the New York Giants, uh, but uh, a little more athletic, and you can do some more things with them in the pass game. But the the people up front for Kentucky are are rock solid, and and should give them a a, a competitive chance, I would think, Saturday night. So obviously, they've got a a solid, like you mentioned, offensive line, and Florida is probably one of their best strengths is their defensive line and their ability to get to oh, the yeah. pass rusher. How do you think those two – who would you give the edge in that battle? Well, that's going to be interesting. It's definitely strength on strength. And uh, Mark Stoops today referred to Florida's guys up front as, I think, play wreckers or, or something 
along those lines. So they they are very respectful and and aware of what what the Gators have up front. It's it's I think that's going to be brought up a lot in, in Kentucky practice this week. It's just to kind of uh, challenge those guys up front and see if they can you know, bring out a little even more competitiveness out of it because as good as they've been offensively, 38 points in each of the first two games, they really haven't imposed their will on the two Mac opponents they've played. Uh, so I think maybe they've got a little more in the tank that they, they haven't shown yet. Hey, it's my Black. Uh, question, uh, how good are Kentucky's, uh, or shall I say, how good is Kentucky's secondary, um, and do they match up well against Florida wide receivers? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it was the biggest question for us uh, coming into the season, the media and following Kentucky. It seemed like we asked them every single day when we were out there, how's the secondary doing? How are they progressing? And so far it's been pretty good. You look at the stats from this last game and you see um, Eastern Michigan threw for like 337 yards and it, it, it kind of jumps off the page at you. It doesn't look good, but it, it was a little misleading. Eastern Michigan could not uh, run the ball at all, uh, averaged about two yards per run. So they threw the ball 53 times. They weren't real efficient with it, a lot of dink and dunk stuff. Um, they picked off a couple of passes, but they also had some breakdowns, and they've got they've got some younger guys back there. It's not the, the group that they had last season. They lost all four of those starters plus the fifth guy uh, from that team last season. So it's a brand-new secondary, totally rebuilt. And, and they're kind of learning on the fly, even though um, they were, you know, pretty solid recruits overall and widely regarded in the recruiting process. Not quite the same bunch, though, they had on the field last season. How how different uh, or, what you know, how much different will the offense be with Sawyer Smith back there? Um, what, what are some of the things uh, that he does well that we should look for? Well, I think you're going to see them challenge and, and try to stretch the field uh, a little bit. That's that's a big thing. They they will throw deep with him. Uh, he, he's very adept at it. You won't see as much of the quarterback run game, although he's not he's not a total pocket guy. He did run the ball uh, quite a bit during his time at Troy, and and somewhat effectively at times. There's a video going around today that some fans have shared. Uh, with him ripping off like a 57-yard run at Nebraska in, in a game that Troy won in Lincoln last season. Uh, so he can do some things with his feet, but it's just not going to be a guy I don't think that the, the Gators have to honor in that aspect quite like they did Terry Wilson, who was kind of a threat to break a big play uh, running at any time. What's Kentucky's uh, scout report on Felipe Franks? Well, it's been a mixed bag, uh, depending on, on who you talk to. They've, they've got a lot of respect for him and his, his raw ability, his size and athletic ability, but I've also heard some things that uh, maybe suggest they think they might be able to rattle him a little bit and, and, and that sometimes he could get distracted, uh, things like that. I'm, I haven't followed you guys as close uh, you know, so far this season outside of that Miami game. Uh, but they seem to think like maybe if they can get some pressure and get some get some hits on him that they may be able to throw him uh, kind of off schedule a little bit. Got you. And um, special teams wise, you, do you guys as far as kickers and everything like that? How's your field goal team and, and your kickers 
and your punter. Is special teams performing well for you guys? Well, the punter has been out of this world. He's an Australian kid, uh, Max Duffy, and he's just absolutely killing the ball. He's one of one of these guys that comes from the rugby school, and he'll, he'll roll out with it and kick it, but he's just doing crazy things uh, <laughs> right now in the punting game. They've been outstanding in that regard. Field goals have been pretty decent. Chance Poor is their new kicker. Uh, at that spot, he's got 50-ish range uh, to him. He missed one, I think, from 46 or 47 last week, but uh, I would say they're solid there. The return game is what you really have to keep an eye on because they stick Lim Bowden uh, back there, and he's, you know, when he gets his hands on the ball, he's one of the, the more exciting guys in the conference and in, in the open field. Mark Stoops has been doing a pretty good job at Kentucky, but – it seems like in the recruiting role, he, he does a good job of scouting and finding kids and then later getting poached by other programs. What do you think he has to do to get Kentucky to that next level to hold on to those recruits? Well, that, that certainly has been a challenge at times. And uh, fortunately, uh, they've been keeping more of those guys lately than losing them. But earlier in his career here, uh, they would tend to get these four-star commitments and then things would roll around in December and January, you know, the so-called the big boys <laughs> or the traditional powers would come in and just, just poach those guys. And it would, it would really hurt the class. But I think the fact that he's been able to stack two or three really good years on top of one another and, and, and go into a new year's day bowl game, and beating a program like Penn State that still carries a lot of national uh, prestige has helped them in the recruiting game, especially getting into uh, certain places in Ohio that they like to recruit and into Michigan. They've they've had a ton of success up there uh, in this particular class and getting guys in the Detroit area. Jeff, what is your uh, anticipation for this game? What do you think Kentucky needs to do to win the game? And then what – I, I guess, what would they do to potentially lose the game? Or, or how do you think Florida wins the game? Yeah, you know, going into the season, I, I picked this one uh, for Florida, I believe, in our preseason picks. And and my main reason was that unproven secondary. You know, I just couldn't pick Kentucky having to replace the entire secondary uh, against a team that has some good receivers and, and, and a solid quarterback like Florida. But you know, after the Miami game, I started thinking, well, you know, maybe they've got a better shot than, than I thought. And, and as the game grows closer, I think Kentucky has an outside chance that they can win the line of scrimmage. But, uh, you know, I'd probably have to give the, the Gators the overall edge in this one. But it sure would be interesting to see if, especially what after Kentucky went through for, you know, 31 years here, if they could actually have a streak, if you can call two games. <laughs> uh, yeah. a winning streak uh, over the Florida Gators. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, and this is going back to, to Silk's question earlier, uh, obviously Mark Stoops has had quite a bit of success at Kentucky, uh, you know, relatively speaking, and then, you know, he's recruited pretty well. He hasn't been able to hold on to everybody, but, you know, he has been able to to recruit pretty well to Kentucky. Is there a fear uh, that he might leave in the next year or two as, you know, maybe some of these jobs, maybe Tennessee, maybe Florida State, you know, some of these jobs start to come open. You had some of that initially uh, with him, but the university has stepped up in such a big way uh, to pay him to build facilities 
to give him everything that he needs to uh, not just have a couple of nice teams here, but to, to have a program for the long haul. But I think that's becoming less and less of a concern. The one uh, caveat I would put in there is that, you know, Florida State looks pretty shaky uh, right. right now. And that might, that might be the one place, the one job, if they were serious about bringing him back, that, that could tempt him. But I don't think it, it would be just any, you know, random job. It would take something like uh, a Florida State or an Ohio State, you know, sure. sometime in the future should that open up his, his home state. Um, right. But a lot of other places, I think Kentucky's getting themselves on more of a level playing field now. Is he a, a guy that's okay with, with kind of, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, like always playing second fiddle to, Kentucky basketball. Or you know, a guy that's been able that, to drum up a lot of support and, and kind of change things up for the football team. It's it's real interesting dynamic. Um, you know, Kentucky basketball is always going to be the big deal, just historically, traditionally. But really, if you get the the fans and and the real passion right now, and uh, it, this is really a, a good football state, <laughs> believe it or not. And, yeah. and they are behind these guys in this team. And it's it's not a situation anymore where, let's say, Florida comes in here, plays great, and, and beats Kentucky soundly on Saturday. You're not going to have the people in the third quarter or fourth quarter saying, oh, how many days the midnight madness? And that went on for most of my adult life <laughs> until Stoops got here. Even some right. of those good teams uh, that Rich Brooks had. Uh, that was going on. A couple of those, you know, how mummy uh, teams, people still couldn't quite get past that, but you don't hear it anymore. It's, it's almost odd um, with as good a team as Calipari's going to have uh, this season. Uh, one of his best in, in a while that nobody's talking about it. You don't hear about basketball on any sports program in this town. It's all stoop, wow. stoop, stoops and, and Kentucky football. Yeah, and it's definitely changed, you know, with uh, Kentucky kind of being the top dog in, in state right now with football uh, and basketball. So uh, we were just talking about this with uh, with Sports by Brooks that we had on right before you. You got to strike when the iron's hot. It seems like Kentucky's doing that. But uh, we appreciate you coming on the uh, the show tonight. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you and read uh, some stuff about the uh, the Florida-Kentucky game and then, and then follow you in the future when uh, we have those inevitable Florida-Kentucky basketball games that I know everybody's excited about this season as well. Oh yeah, those those ought to be great this year. Uh, we're on the Rivals Network, CatsIllustrated dot com, and and folks can follow me at uh, JDrum UK if you want to follow us on Twitter um, and uh, get some of our views. I'll be down at, at field level on Saturday night, and I try to share things about both teams. So you may have some interesting stuff to to kind of throw in there about what's going on on the Gator sideline too. Excellent. Excellent. We appreciate you so much for coming back on or coming on our show today. And uh, we look forward to having you on in the future, Jeff. All right. Thanks guys. I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you coming on, man. Man, Thanks for coming on. All right. Take take care. Now I'm about to get on some of these honey roasted pecans. Like, like, (laughs) damn. (laughs) On my mind. I'm trying to tell you. Oh geez! All right, you guys ready to get into our uh, our ask some callers on? No, let's get some callers on. Then we'll do that. Let's get some callers on. All right, Cam, dial them up. 
You have now arrived at Stadium Engale. Hello? Yeah, welcome to... Oh, man, my throat. Mike from Stadium Engale, bro. What's going on? <laughs> what's going on, Corey? What's going on, Black? What's going on, Dan? What's up, what's up buddy? Vibing, bro. Just hanging out a little bit. Well... First, let me start off, Silk and Ahmad. Y'all need to take it easy on Dan because I'm calling from Nashville, one of the greatest towns in the world. Am I right, Dan? Yeah, absolutely. Hey. You know what? Here's what we, Silk, I, Silk, here's what we need to do. And Dan will hey, man, y'all there. start all this country. Y'all going to make us lose our endorsement with Gator Kicks, man. Hey, look, <laughs> I, know, I know a little bit about Broadway. <laughs> I know about Broadway a little bit. Yeah, so we, that's what I'm saying. That's what we need to do. So for the Vandy game next year, we need to do a Stadium Gale tailgate from one of the rooftops down on Broadway. Oh, we're going to go to, go to Hockey Talk? What is this one? Don't threaten me. Yeah, like, it don't matter. We'd, almost all of them got rooftops now, but that would be Absolutely. killer. Because the Florida yeah. fans travel great to Nashville. Ma, do you remember playing games here? You know, it was uh, 60% Florida versus 40% Bandy fans. So. I was going more than anyway, 30. Anyways, yeah, you know, I, what I was going to say – Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say I'm down. I've got uh, I've got to hook up. Uh, I know some of the uh, the guys that started that downtown or that Nashville downtown athletic club there, uh, and then I've you know I've spent a dollar or two of some of those uh, those honky tonks in my life. So I, I know um, I'm always down. Yeah, that's what we need to do for sure. But anyways, I just want to call in talk about the game. But it, you know, first off, it's nothing more beautiful. And Ahmad's kind of been chiming in not only with the FSU Miami fans but the UT fans. Dude, it is just beautiful up here now because Man, they are just like at the pit. Oh, and two. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I, I actually, you, have you ever heard of Bailey's on Broadway? Yeah, yeah. I, I was actually in Bailey's when Greer threw the uh, the pass against Tennessee, and we came back and beat him. I was in Bailey's when he threw that. <laughs> no How about way. that? It was it was two Gator fans in the whole place. I thought I was I wasn't gonna make it out. Right, right <laughs> no doubt. But dude, I'm telling um, you because it's like they they you know. They thought they showed improvement and everything, but to hear them now, I mean, they're at the pit. And, you know, you hate – I mean, obviously we hate our rivals, but, man, dude, they have been down for so long. Like the mm-hmm. Bunnies, I was at a watch party Saturday. They were like – you know, they remember when they used to blow bad teams out. They don't even blow bad teams out. They lose to them now. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, no, but anyways, Tennessee but, is no, nowhere near the program that they, they used to be in. You know, now they're just cycling through coaches to a point where it's going to be tough. And, I mean, you guys saw the debacle when they when they hired Jeremy Pruitt a few years ago, and they had to go through 10 or 11, you know, coaches, you know, that were perceived to be hired before they ended up hiring him. I think if they fire Pruitt this year, you know, a lot of people are going to be really skeptical about going there. And that's they're going to really need to find some sort of diamond in the rough to turn that team around. But, you know, Tennessee has been average at best for the last 15 years, and I don't see it getting any better. And, you know, to quote the uh, the famous philosopher, Will Muschamp, it's great to see all, all these people out here getting disappointed. I love it. Um, I mean, like I said, and, and being here in the in the heart of it, basically, it's just unreal to see because, you know, they, they've just, like, given up hope. Like, they don't even know where to go. So, obviously, you know, a bunch of memes and stuff flying around like they're a basketball school now. So, uh, it's kind of great to see. But uh, I just want to talk about our game. Dude, I just I, – I, I rewatched it. Um, I got to give a shout-out to our offensive line, man. Those hogs are going to town. I'm like, like Silk says, you know, they, they just want to go out and smack people. They're opening holes for that running game. 
pass protection seems to be a little bit better. Um, so if we can kind of keep it healthy and they can continue to gel, I think we'll do all right. Um, but I also love the way Perrine is running hard, man. He just ta- he just hits that hole. There's no second guessing. You know, he's going at it hard. You know, Frank seems to be calming down a little bit and then hitting those those intermediate to long throws now. Of course, I know it was UT Martin, and it'll only get tougher from here. But, you know, you like to see that he's getting that confidence and the play calling that Dan's got going. But uh, I'm just so stoked. Um, my son's going up to the Kentucky game. And then him and some buddies, Silk, are going to come all the way down to Gainesville for the UT game. So I'm going to try to get him to hit you all up and see what y'all do for KDH or anything. But, you know, I'm just glad because, like you said, there's a lot of people that can't say that they're 2-0 and going into 3-0. and Absolutely, man. I feel I feel good uh, about everything you said as well, man. Um, I thought I thought the first half we, we came out a little slow. I don't think it's because of Franks. I just – like football stuff happened. Uh, Pitts stumbled on the first drive. That's probably a touchdown when he when he stumbled. So it's a little stuff like that, man, that we got to clean up, bro. But I think next week versus Kentucky, we got to we're facing a legit SEC opponent. So I think we need to. Um, I think Danny to get in his bag a little bit. I think the play call is gonna be a little different. I think we we'll see some looks we haven't seen all season. I think. Hey, and uh, on that, gonna bring things well, out. and on that note. What do we know about their backup now since uh, Terry Wilson's done? What, what, what are the what's the stat on him? Well, uh, yeah, we just had a Kentucky right on. He was saying pretty much he's a guy that they trust with the long ball. He's a, he's not a dual threat guy. Dan, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you. you know, yeah, Corey, Corey just said it, but you know, he he's a guy that they're probably not gonna you know trust a ton to to air it out. You know, I envision a lot of swing passes, a lot of short passes. You know, he doesn't think, you know, that that he's going to be the guy that that's as electric. Right. I mean, it's a different offense without Terry Wilson. And, you know, Terry Wilson was the the heartbeat of that offense. So it's going to be interesting to see how how they come out and how energized they come out. And, uh, you know, but I don't think he's he's anywhere as good as Terry Wilson, if that helps ease you at all. I got you. Well, listen, you, guys, I really appreciate the. the actually, a quick podcast. question before you get off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. One quick question. Uh, how you feel about we had we got two guys that went down injury wise, C.J. Henderson and uh, Kadarius Tony. How you feel about that? Or in, in the time time frame of coming back, you think we'll be okay? Yeah, I think we'll be okay. You know, the, the Henderson one worried me a little bit more just because you know with Tony, you can kind of you know slide Copeland into that role or something else. You know, we have a lot of playmakers on the offensive side. Henderson's the one I kind of hated to see, but, you know, some of those young guys stepped up, you know, Elam looked great. I mean, that, that position that he had on that pick, I mean, it's, I mean, on the interception, it looked almost like, you know, he was playing basketball, boxing out of the for a rebound. I mean, he yes, couldn't have had any better position on that. And, you know, the safety seemed to play better too. So I think, like you said, if they can move some guys around, I think we'll be okay. Um, you know, I, I just hope it's, it's, it's nothing worse than, than we need. I, I mean, I heard that, you know, CJ wants to play this week, but I'd almost rather sit him and have him healthy for, you know, UT and then going into that middle stretch uh, once we get in there with, like, LSU, Auburn, and Georgia. Yeah, I wouldn't mind dressing and just sitting them, uh, see what the freshmen do, if they can hold it down, just keep him at bay. We shouldn't need him for Kentucky. We should be fine. Yeah, I think so, too. But, yeah, th- thanks again for everything, fellas. And, uh, Corey, appreciate your help with my son for those tickets for Kentucky. And, uh, 
Ahmad, every time every time you all have come to Nashville, I've worked with the team and stuff in the past. So I sent that picture out when we came down to Florida for my son's thing when he was really young. So you're always great with the fans and stuff like that. And of course, Dan, keep doing what you're doing, and I'll keep backing you on the country music, my friend. Uh, who's, your, who's your favorite artist? Uh, I mean, I go more old school. You know, I kind of like that Alan Jackson and Randy okay. Travis stuff like that. But you know, I, I can kick some of the new stuff. You know, definitely, definitely like hitting up like Kid Rocks now because he kind of mixes in the bands down there, mixing a little rock as well. So you know, it's not you total. Do country, Billy Ray? But, uh, Let's do Billy Ray, do, bro. Oh, we, yeah, we could do that. Billy Ray, no. He, you go on Old Town Road, we're going to pull up some little knots. Is that what we're going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Ache and break your heart, bro. I'm old school. I'm aching break your heart with it, cuz. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I appreciate it, fellas. Once, once again, it's Gator Mike here, so uh, we're holding it down in Tennessee for you guys. Right, Absolutely. We appreciate it. Man, for the call. All right, take care, fellas. All right, have a good one. It's always good to have a country music fan on. Cool cat, man. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Your boy just scored a touchdown. Okay, Chauncey, oh, on the, Chauncey on the tackle. Want to kick off? There he is. There you go, Chauncey. He's going. He's getting hype right now. Yeah, I saw that. Got Greg got coming on next. Who we got coming on? All right. Yo. Yo. Hello. Welcome to Stadium Miguel. What's going on, baby? I'm just calling to make sure everybody knows the phone number, 954-589-2204. Hey, man. <laughs> That's the only number I know by heart, bro. So, you know what I'm saying? Uh, if something happens, you might emergency contact. Who did uh, – yeah, man, I'm ready for it. I got, you know, my phone forwards to my cell phone at night. So, if it's 2 a.m., you know, I'm here for you. I appreciate um, it. You were there for me, but I appreciate you saving me all sorts of money. Yeah, man. Of course, I wanted to, I wanted to jump on. Just thank you guys for letting me be a part of the show. I know that uh, you know Dan and I talked way beforehand before you guys were putting it together or not taking sponsors. And I told them when they were ready to make sure you hit me up. So I'm glad you guys did. Um, who who did I, I sponsored? Uh, Jake McGee tonight. You sponsored a sports by Brooks. We had an awesome conversation. I think it's one of the best interviews that we've had on the oh. show. A fire. Yeah, it was, it was pretty dope. Who was it? Sports, sports by Brooks? Yeah. All right, cool. I'm, I'm telling That's you, it, it's a top five interview that we've had on this podcast. Yeah, I got, I got lost in it. Oh, I, man, I forgot I was on the interview. I, I thought I was that the documentary. Yeah. I was going yeah. to say that. So I followed that guy like in 2012, or I feel like, or like maybe like when I first jumped on Twitter. Yeah. Maybe, but, but, and then that dude like straight disappeared, right? Yeah, we didn't we didn't get into that uh, on the show. I told these guys <laughs> right. to do some research about it, and Silk and Ahmad were like, "I don't have time. I'm prepping for the show." I'm like, "Guys, take like five minutes." So we didn't talk about his disappearance. Right? I think we built up enough. Well, well you could have kind of told me he disappeared, bro. Like, yeah, I'm thinking, yeah man. Like, for, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little back. You gotta, so talk, about you gotta talk about the guy not even off the show and shit. Like, come on, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. We don't we don't know what happened. So like, he used to run right sportsbybrooks.com which in my opinion was a little bit like what barstool sports is now uh mm-hmm. a little bit different but you know sports and then like scantily clad women anyway what uh he used to be one of the top like sports writers he used to break news and then all of a sudden he just stopped writing on twitter like i don't know yeah and like 
it, like a couple days went by, then a couple weeks went by, and like then his website wasn't getting updated after a little while, and then he just disappeared. Like nobody knows what happened to him. And then like just magically one day on Twitter, he's like, "I'm back. This is what I've been working on for the last four years." It's like something happened. Like so we're gonna find out one day. We're gonna find out one day, right? So you guys just had a conversation with him, and you, well, the other two guys, you guys didn't know about it, but you were attempted to. I guess you don't want to, don't want to ask questions you don't, you don't want to answer. Yeah, I mean, you know, I had no idea. We, we might get there. Yeah, yeah. I told these guys to do. Yeah, I read research, a, I, so I didn't want to throw them off. You know, if I'm if I talk right. about a disappearance and they don't know what I'm talking <laughs> yeah. about, they're gonna be like, "What yeah. the hell are you talking?" Well, you could about? just say, "Bro, this guy disappeared <laughs> before." Yeah. Personal. Yeah, yeah, cool. hey, we had a great. Yeah, I'm saying, you can't right. just vanish on people, bro. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited now. I, I just yeah. threw that out there just so you guys know that I that I knew who he was. I read an article about that a couple of years ago, maybe a year ago. But I, if there's a documentary, I'm definitely gonna check that out, dude. There's great, like going great, on. great conversation, bro. Great. Like conversation. The most cryptic tweet I ever saw in my life was Jeff Perlman, who I don't know who he writes for now, but I think at the time wrote for like. Bleacher Report. Anyway, he is a basketball reporter. Anyway, he did this big like story or was doing a bunch of research on what happened to him. And then like the story was supposed to drop. What is, how do and I then, not notice? And then like he tweeted like that his editor told him that, hey, we're not going to run that story. And he had spent all this they time, all these years doing research. And he said, sometimes people that disappear just don't want to be found. And like, that was it. I was like, Oh no. And then he came back on Twitter, like nothing happened. So I'm not trying to create, you know, I don't want it to be weird if it doesn't right. have to be, you know? No, that's awesome. I, 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 uh, I've been enjoying the sponsorship, uh, being able to sponsor like last week with Elam. And that was an awesome, uh, that was an awesome interview. My yeah, head man. doesn't go really back farther than that, to be honest with you. Um, what else are we talking about? Kentucky. We're going to beat that ass. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about yeah, Kentucky, we talked about Tennessee Martin. Bro. Tennessee Martin, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I watched Tennessee Martin, and I was disappointed with the first quarter, and my wife came home from a like a, a kid's party, and she's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I just need them to cover. And then, you know what? I was listening to the end of uh, the big three today, so and I heard you say, like, I just want to see them get 45, be, be cool. And so my wife came <laughs> We ate dinner. We, she came back. She goes, what's the score? And I'm like, it's 38 nothing. She's like, all right, cool. They're, it's like the third quarter. She's like, all right, I'm out of here. At least I know you'll be up. You'll be happy when the game's over. And I was also <laughs> happy to see the goose egg. The, the goose yes. egg was good, but you haven't, we haven't shut out a team in, in what, a couple of two, two, three Yeah, seasons, 2016. So that's good. Yeah, so that's good. And then Kentucky, like quarterback, they never want to see anybody get hurt. But, you know, um, the fact that, I, you guys talked about Henderson and Tony too. Both ones, you play a fucking cupcake and both ones get hurt. That's pretty disastrous. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Uh, thank God it's not as bad as we thought it was initially with CJ. Um, yeah. He, I mean, he wants to go this week. Mullen says he's going to hold him back a little bit if, if, until he's 100%. So that's a, that's a great sign. Yeah, I'm on Gator Country, so I, I follow Nick and, uh, and Spivey and um, – and uh, you sometimes, Dan, when you write your stuff, but uh, just sometimes they were saying, yeah, they were, I, I was like, That's why you don't let her, bro. <laughs> uh, one of my uh, buddies who, who I brought to the tailgate, uh, Neves, the one that was not inappropriate. Um, 
<laughs> I was like, hey, man, like, there's no, like, let this guy, this guy doesn't, they, Tony, like, Copeland, I'm excited to see what Copeland could do. I was kind of nervous that Mullen said that he, I guess, probably doesn't know the offense yet, which which sucks if you're in your second year, but you've been hurt a lot, so you haven't been running plays. Um, but also, like, on Henderson, like, if he can sit because we don't need him against Kentucky, Tennessee is straight trash can right now, right? And then we play like another D two team. So like we can, if he doesn't need to play for three weeks and he can just hang out and like stay in shape. Then I think it's good to let him sit. Yeah, I, I like getting these young boys. And shout out to all of them, man. We, we talk about the goose egg, the shutout. I think Jaden Hill's one that saved that man. He was chasing that that yeah. guy down from behind. So I think he saved it. Uh, shout out to, yeah. to uh, that's his parent, Kimbro. Yeah, Kimbro was feisty. I got to say the five six one for last, man. Shout out to Kyrie Elam. Got out there and yeah, got buckets, man. in the end zone. Yes, sir. So um, I would love to see those guys get reps and get some early. That's what they came here for, bro. Um, We talked about in the offseason. We're not scared to play true freshman at corner. something we do all the time at University of Florida. It's a part of the tradition, man. This is how CJ got his reps. And, and Marco as well at freshman. People went down, you yep. get a shot to get on the field early. Uh, same thing with Dean last year. Somebody went down, you got to get on the field early. It pays off, man. So I'm, I'm happy to see them young boys get some reps. And if we can get some some quality snaps like this before we get to LSU and the big games and also win, yeah. those guys get some rest, it, it'll pay off, man. Yeah, I also saw like a really cool tweet. I was, um, I was obviously on Twitter before you guys called, and uh, – the Gators put out some tweet today, or maybe it was recently. It was at least today, if not sooner, that like tonight, it said that they've played 15 true freshmen in the first two games. Yep. And it's, I think the tweet said, if, you, if you're ready, we're ready. I think that's pretty cool for the for recruits to see that, you know, you don't mm-hmm. come and sit for two or three years before you get to see the field if you're ready, you know. If you're good enough to get on the field, let's, let's play if ball. Play, if, you, if you're ready to play, you're going to play. Don't that's say that's how it should be, though. It, 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 you know, this ain't daddy ball. You know, if you if you're the best one out there, it's all about competition, and we all got the, the same common goal is to win. So why wouldn't we want to put the best out there? And what's cool is they, yeah. they they played from the beginning of the game too. Yeah, it wasn't My just garbage. Today, what, they played many for Kim, snaps. Yeah, Kimbrough was the first one off the field. First one on the field when Henderson got hurt. I was surprised that Elam wasn't, but. You know, you play the guys, you play them all. They play all played, but um, that was kind of surprising to me. But I know that guy was, he was nah, pretty good coming out a, last year. Everybody, only thing, the only negative I heard about him in all of camp was his size. But I heard he was having an incredible camp um, from what I was told, man. So I wasn't, I wasn't surprised, to be honest with you. Yeah, the only thing that, that, I, that I was told probably hold him back was his weight. Other than that, they said he was missing nothing in his game. Yeah, and that's the spot that we're thin at. So the fact that we can put three of those between Jaden Hill and Chris Henderson or uh, um, Elam and Kimbrough on there, you know, that, that's that's awesome. That's good. What about, all, if, uh, I thought, what, I, mean, what, I mean, does anybody miss Chris Steele? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, we got all yeah. three of those boys are getting it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not we're not slouching with any of those guys going on the field, man. And, and like I said, we had, like, guys behind the scene were telling me, guys that's close to the program, got kids in the program, saying that Jaden Hill was looking better than, than Steel, man. Like, some thought, like, he had a higher ceiling than Steel. So, we'll, we'll see, man. I think we'll find the second day. We'll pluck, pluck some more in. And our pass rush is going to be crazy if that Georgia kid gets uh, cleared. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they. I mean, fingers crossed, right? But if he plays next year, that's when we lose Greenard and Zuniga. That's when we're definitely going to need him to step up. So, what's up with the? Uh, you guys are dropping uh, tickets tomorrow for the tailgate. Dan, you're going to show up to this one? Nope. I'll be at Florida, Georgia, though. Nope, I'm gonna be in Wyoming. That's the one. That's the uh, one. Oh, you know what, Dan? I think, uh, Dan, I think you and I talked about this. This is funny. At the yeah. fucking, excuse me, at the my at the Miami game, I got a picture with Ahmad and uh, and Silk. I was, you know, I was rocking obviously my Stadium and Gale shirt, my big yep. three uh, hat. I'm an I'm an obvious homer for the, for the movement. Yeah, 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 you're on brand. Yeah, no, it's. Uh, <laughs> You know, I had the, the wedding. Oh, I, the Miami I want every, game. I want all the listeners to know that I uh, bought and paid for shipping on both my uh, uh, Stadium and Gale hat, uh, shirt and my Big Three hat. I called. I was texting TJ and I was like, "Hey, bro, you just got a promo code for me?" And he's like, "Yeah, sure. Hold on." And Twenty minutes later, I'm like, "Fuck this! I'm just gonna pay, I'm just gonna ship this thing." But no. <laughs> I, yeah. yeah, no. Oh, it's, uh, we'll we'll, it, we'll connect soon, Greg. You need to come up to that uh, that Florida Georgia game. Uh, all four of us will be up there for that one. That but good, all guys. three will be at all the, the other ones. The Auburn, the Auburn one is go, it's homecoming. We got we got an incredible yeah. lot. Uh, great. We just got a lot today. It's in an incredible spot. It's prime time. Yeah, well, I was talking to my. I was talking. About, I, I bought tickets through the UAA like over the summer because I always, you know, I was like go to one big game here and then one big game away um, yeah. each year. But um, I last year for the LSU game where I met you at the White Buffalo, whatever. We could yeah, do that yeah, again yeah, before yeah. The Auburn game. But, Absolutely. Um, but last year we did like the uh, we did like the. Um, Shit, what's it called? With the tailgate guys or whatever, where they throw the tailgate for you? Yeah, right yeah. in front of right in front of Wright's Union. We had like we got a smaller one last year. This year we got a a double one. So we're gonna we're, I'm already gonna be up there for a tailgate. But I was telling my buddies, I'm like, it's gonna be a three thirty game. We're gonna get start at ten a.m. So we're definitely gonna hit up both tailgates. Come by and the, the last tailgate was so awesome. I mean, we gotta we gotta we gotta show up for the next one, but. I uh, appreciate you guys uh, letting me on tonight. I'm going to go uh, order some pecans from the Georgia Pecan Company. And whenever clients call with boat issues, I'll make sure to uh, send them to, the, to my boat recovery guy. Yeah, Gibson Dive in Detail. There you go. Hey, All right, man. We've well, got, I appreciate a, new, we've you got guys. a new sponsor tonight, Greg, so you need to buy some kicks from Gator Kicks. Oh, I already bought kicks from Gator Kicks. You kidding there me? There you go. That's hey, you on brand. You, let's Gators talk about. Take I, care I, I gonna, there you go. I was gonna let, dude. I met this guy. This guy is amazing. He's awesome. So I met him Friday night at the Miami game. Super cool guy. I figured we were all drunk. You know, we <laughs> have to re, we'd have to like reintroduce each other. I show up to this tailgate. I walk up, I talk to TJ, I got my wristband, my shirts, all my friends were all there. I go make sure that, like, I apologize to everybody for, like, anything that happened the night before. I walk up, and him and his, I think it's his brother, like, both like, Greg, what's up, man? How are you? Blah, blah, blah. So we start, we start kicking it. Guys, like, both of them, completely awesome dudes. So I'm like, then I saw, what, Crowder got there, and he got his shoes. And I'm like, I'm getting shoes from you, man. Like, and I what you had on the blue tank, uh, the blue high tops too, right? You and Crowder got the same ones? Already. So, so I tell him, I'm like, I, listen, I want to get some shoes, but like, I'm a fat white kid and I can't pull off high tops. So like, I want lows, you know, like, let's just, let's just be honest yeah. with each other. And he's like, all right, yeah. cool. He's like, I'll send you some, 
some stuff, right? So on Monday, I reached out to him and I was after the game and I was like, I'm serious. Like, I definitely want to get some shoes from you. And he's like, yeah, of course. So I'm like, I saw another pair that you, that you gave out to another guy that were Lowe's and I really like those. How about you just get me those? And he's like, no. He's like, I want to make something special for you. So he straight up ordered me a pair of low, I think they're Concords. And he sent me a picture on Friday and he said, hey, man, your shoes are here. I'm about to send them out to the artist. So he's sending them out to the artist to like pretty much rip the shoes apart and redesign them. And I'm excited. I'm like, I can't wait. So Gator Kicks is the shit. Everybody should be buying shoes from them. Absolutely. Also tell him to send me some money. I, yeah, I said to make sure you send. Tell him to send me somebody. I'll, I'll DM him now, just for like the commercial that I just, I just yeah, yeah, for him. Yeah, y'all got double the ad read this week, That's man. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you. I don't. Yeah, I came on and did my own commercial, so I got to shoot uh, shout everybody else out too. But you boys have oh, a good okay. night. I, I I can't wait to listen to the show in the morning. Appreciate the love, Greg. Uh, yeah, we appreciate bro, it, bro. Appreciate it. Check you guys later. Nine five four five eight nine two two zero four. If you're ever arrested and need somebody to pick you up, bro, nine five four five eight nine two two zero four. Oh man, give him a call. Even if you think you have good insurance, just give him a call. <laughs> yeah, just, just chop it up by football. Yeah. Just... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Yo, what's going on? Yeah, Yo. baby. What up? What up? Hey, not much, man. Not much. I've been a long time listener. I've been waiting to call. I'm always. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I'm always worried. I'm gonna say something dumb, get myself in trouble. So. <laughs> I don't worry about. It. I do that every week. I'm a. I'm a. I'm, I'm a substitute teacher, so you know. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I got mad respect for you. It's much harder doing that than what I do. So. Yeah, I appreciate it. So, appreciate he's, it. He's, he's not a substitute teacher, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's on your mind, teacher. bro? Ah, not much, man. I was, uh, Ever. I just had the uh, Kentucky game last week. I was at the Big Three roll-up uh, tailgate uh, for the Miami game. That was amazing. Y'all did a great job with that. Um, and the hey, Kentucky yeah, game last week, the t- Kentucky game last week for, you know, such a uh, – no, I'm sorry, not the Kentucky game. The uh, Tennessee Martin game last week for such a shitty game. Like, I thought the fans did a great job. Uh, the third quarter with a freaking uh, – the um, Tom Petty song was amazing. That's probably the best I've actually – ever seen and now just so god dang stoked um i love how our guys are playing and everything i mean it took us a little bit to get going in that game but man once we got going we looked amazing so so yeah no we did uh you know that you, you could tell at the beginning of the game they were really just trying to get some things uh, straightened out whether it was blocking whether it was in uh uh, just, just overall, just scheme, right? You could tell the way that they're they were calling that game was to try to work out some kinks, and then you know, towards the end of the uh, the first quarter, and then going into the second quarter through the rest of the game, they were able to to get some burn with these guys. But uh, you know, they definitely were were trying things out at the beginning of the game, and you know, that first quarter went by so quick too. I mean, I was I was at Bay Cannon Bruin with the uh, with the the big three guys and. You know, we were watching the the FSU game going on at the same time, and it felt like every time I was looking over to the Florida game, like another like five minutes was taken off the clock. So, you know, once they uh, once they got the game under control the way that they wanted to, and they got I think what seventy two plays off, so uh, it, it started to really make sense uh, and, and work together towards the end of that uh, towards the end of the first half there. And let's go around yeah, the table. First quarter. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's go. Let's go around the table real quick. What 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 like besides a win? 
what do each of you want to see? Like, what's the most important thing you want to see and, and go away with one thing being better or, or one thing you want to be? What, what do you want to see most importantly after this game? I, I think the most important thing we have to do against Kentucky is finally establish the run. Um, they're a good defensive test. I mean, Stoops is a heck of a coach, especially on the defensive side. And I think if we can run against them, it's a, a good setup for, you know, Tennessee. And then uh, you lead up into Auburn. And if you got the run going, Franks is, uh, Franks is actually pretty accurate this year. That was his biggest thing last year. He's shown this last game he can be very accurate. And if he has, you know, the run support and the run game's going, uh, I think our offense is really going to be, you know, like a fine-oiled machine. Um, I think the first game was a little bit fluky um, because, you know, I think Manny kind of knew Mullen's tendencies a little bit, so he's able to, you know, box us in a little, and then we didn't we didn't help ourselves. We were trying to give them the game like crazy. And I think uh, Tennessee Martin was a good progression. I think we looked better. We, we were definitely, you know, being stubborn in the first quarter. But, again, if, you know, Pitts doesn't trip on the dirt, I mean – we have yeah. a touchdown there, and I, th- I think it changes the complexion of that whole, you know, first quarter. So It's the small uh, things, man. Uh, Dan, what do you want to see? Just uh, continued offensive line growth. Maybe you saw it towards the end of the game, and uh, that's really all I want to see. Black. I just want to see the guys progress and get better. Uh, the young guys come in. Uh, don't drop the rifle. Uh, you know, play up to your ability. Uh, learn every week and get better. I want to see a turnover-free Felipe Franks football game. Efficient and turnover-free. Just take care of the ball and just do your job. Be efficient. That's all I want. I don't need any incredible numbers. I just need him to do his job and take care of the ball. And I think everything else take care of itself. We take care of the ball. I'm going to call Ahmad. Yeah, that's hey, Ahmad. Ahmad, you need to be more specific. <laughs> you can't just say, hey, I want to win or be better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> this guy always takes the most PC answer. I you know, I gotta, I got, I gotta give the the, the broadcast answer, man. I don't want to. Man, of course we gotta work. We gotta work on tackling. Of course we gotta not turn the ball over. That's how you yeah. win every single game, you know. So, um, you know, win the game. Win the game on special teams. We gotta, we gotta be better on special teams. You know, every on every aspect of the game, we have to be better than the other team. So, every week. Yeah, we, I'd like to see our defense. I'd like to see our defense finally get some, you know, force some turnovers. We had a huge one last week. So, Elm looks Elm looks amazing. He's going to be a stud for us. And uh, the other two defensive backs, uh, Hill, the other two freshmen, and uh, Kimbrough also look great. Um, I'd just like to see, you know, us start to force turnovers. And we, we tried to the Miami game. We just couldn't get on the ball, any, uh, which kind of sucked. We were forcing them to, you know, fumble the ball. We just couldn't get on it. And then uh, finally last week, good, he had this bro. huge interception. Defense, defense is yeah. looking good, though. Besides the, the early missing tackles at, at, in, in the Miami game, these guys are flying around and getting to the ball. They look good. I'm interested to see how we play uh, Kentucky this week with Wilson out, but those guys look good. Brad, Brad Stewart's back, though, right? Yeah, we discussed him earlier. We don't know uh, where he's at in the pecking order when when, when they snapped the ball on Saturday. Uh, that's, that I'm remains sure to be, be seen. On the field at- at some point, he'll he'll make an appearance because I think that's going to be huge for the defense too. Um, so, I don't even mind them yeah, making appearance just, on special teams first, and then and then you bring him on later to earn some reps. Uh, but we definitely will see him Saturday, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to him being back on the field. Like I said, I, I can't be you know I'm I'm not upset upset about anything the team's done so uh, so far. I was super happy last week. The, the swamp was pretty awesome last week. It was rocking for you know such a a weak opponent, and I, uh, I'm just ready to see us improve every week, which I think is going to happen when you have a coach like Mullen. So I'm super stoked about it. So, 
Same here, bro. <laughs> Same here, man. Hey, we appreciate you. Uh, you coming out? You're uh, you're a Tampa guy. Uh, yeah, man, I'm from Plant City, so I'm I'm right outside of all my uh, Ahmed's uh, you know area. So uh, my school is actually going to play Lakeland. And I'm pretty pretty stoked to see how many points they actually put up on us. To be honest with you, so it's, it's going to be interesting. So. It's going to be ugly for you guys, man. So uh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even I'm not even at the good school in Plant City. I'm at I'm at the academic school, and uh, yeah, y'all y'all might score a hundred on us. It's going to be bad. So what school is, do you go to? <laughs> I'm at Strawberry Crest, man. We, oh, we won our first game a couple of years. Yeah, it's like windless for three years. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be bad. Yeah, we might we might put up a hundred on Strawberry Crest, man. Yeah, it, it could possibly happen, man. It, it'll be interesting. So we have good kids, man, but we just lose all our top kids. To, you know, the other schools in the area. So it uh, nah, it, it hurts. like Willie Taggart, bro. Hey, man. Kind of, oh. yeah, yeah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> So, Good guy. Yeah, man. Can't figure this football shit out. <laughs> my friend, my friend's the uh, Gator Speedo guy too. Silk was running from him at the uh, oh, at the, at the oh man, oh. what's wrong with that guy, bro? Y'all gotta put that, y'all that gotta guy started. Him. He he started that in, in his first year of college when he actually had abs and stuff, and the abs went away, and the speedo just stayed, and uh. I couldn't figure out why he did it until I walked around a game with him last year, and all the girls that were like drawn to the fat speedo guy—it's—it's it's amazing. <laughs> uh, it's pretty interesting. So, well, yeah, it had the, the exact opposite around dudes. <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally, I totally understand that. <laughs> I appreciate you hanging out with us, dog. Thanks for coming to hang out. No, no problem, man. Y'all have a great day. It was great talking to y'all. Yeah, we appreciate it, bro. No problem. All right, boys. Good show going on. I think we got uh, we got one last uh, one last section here. We're going to call this "Ask Ahmed" in honor of our last Damn. caller. Ask yeah. Ahmed. Um, yeah. No, so our Ask Ahmed, our deep dive segment, uh, is always sponsored by our boy Sean Gibson and Gibson Dive in detail. Uh, he's servicing the, uh, the Broward, Miami, Dade, Palm beach area, uh, Gibson dive in detail and Sean are going to be your go-to company for boat detailing, underwater hull cleaning, dive recovery, everything related to boats. If you're down there in that tri-county area, South Florida, give Sean a call 352-514-1486. And then if you don't live in South Florida, still call Sean. Uh, He's got a huge referral network and, if you own a boat, get Sean Gibson's number in your phone. If you ever need your boat cleaned, if you ever need anything serviced, uh, we talked to Sean this past week. The guy has a huge network. So anywhere in Florida, anywhere in the Southeast, Sean said that he could hook you up with some folks. So again, give Sean a call, 352-514-1486. So ask Ahmad Ahmad. This is a question that has been plaguing coaches uh, for, for decades. So you have to give the answer. How do you defend the wheel route, and why is it so undefeated? Uh, well, there's it, no such thing as a wheel route when you're playing zone. Yeah, um, that's that's number one. Um, but, you know, they, they always seem to catch us um, in man coverage with it. And you can tell it's man coverage. Um, teams uh, put, uh, you know, the, the formation, formation in the boundary. 
um, or, you know, use a lot of motion. Uh, but once they once they figure out, you can you can kind of tell, you know, guys give away the blitz early. Um, it's a plethora of different things that you can uh, tell if a team is blitzing. Once you find out a team is blitzing and it's, it's man coverage on the back end, nine times out of ten, um, they're going to clear that side or, 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 or find a way uh, for that receiver on that side to run a, a route to clear that area so the back can run a wheel. Now, does that happen pretty often? Uh, is the wheel route ever really called, or is it usually one of those audible plays that you see uh, at the line of scrimmage once the quarterback figures out what the defense is going to do? I mean, I play defense, Dan, so I don't really know. But, but like you've to, seen you've yeah, seen probably, offense. Yeah, so probably at, at a line of scrimmage, I, I would I would say. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That, that's something yeah. that you could probably check to. You get what I'm saying? Because um, when, you, when you see a team that's blitzing or, or whatnot. You're being so difficult to show, Ahmed. I want a mod black back. The thing about it is you, you kind of know when a team's in. All you got to do is send somebody in motion. Yeah, it's That's why the wheel route is, like, undefeated, bro. Because, I mean, you figure out you, you get that one-on-one matchup, you know what I'm saying? And, and it's not zone like that, bro. You figure, you find it out. But I don't know. You got the right linebacker, bro. You're straight. Yeah. yeah. For sure. For sure. So, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I gave a good enough answer for Dan. It's a tough. It's a tough. Hey, problem. it's not. It's not my question. It's our Patreon. So I'll ask Russell what he thinks about your yeah, answer. Yeah, I I, 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 think that should pretty much cover it, Russell. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to ask another question to Ahmad for that segment, uh, hit us up on Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Stadium and Gale. That's where we go to first for all of our questions for people that are going to hop is, on is, the show or call ask on Ahmad. The show. Just like, is it just like football questions, or you can ask Ahmad? Like, no, you can ask Ahmad whatever. Oh whatever. man, that opened it up. It's about to get real scary. It's yeah. a little spooky. <laughs> all these football questions. Let's break the show up a little bit. All right. <laughs> All right, boys. Hey, good show. Yeah, man. Full, yeah, full sure. slate of uh people. You got hey then you gotta cut it back on to the guests, bro. Just make sure what time is it, dog? It's almost ten o'clock. It's nine fifty. We hopped on at what, seven o'clock? Yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. People want good content. That's why they we're the do, number one do. Florida Gators podcast, despite what Jeff number one. Said. Actually, we're not. Actually, <laughs> right now, so I don't know what y'all are talking about. Yeah, that's a good point. Hey. <laughs> hey, man. Oh, man. Ahmad, you uh, you got the song this week, right? Hey, hey real quick, real quick. Okay. Gator fans. Real quick, Gator fans. Walk around with your chest out. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know if y'all feel it as good as I feel, but walk around with your chest out, man. You see these other, You see Miami and Florida State right now? They brittle. They they. they. They looking for answers. They're reaching and all. They're trying to. They're trying to just argue on Twitter, Twitter and stuff for no reason. Like we, ain't, they ain't even talking about football no more. They just want to argue about stuff. Yeah, it's everything. Hey, listen, walk around to chest out. Yeah, hold your head high. Just know that we're in good hands. These people don't know what they got going on. They figuring out life. We're in good hands, man. Let's be. Let's get three and zero. Black, what you got, baby? I got a uh, Quando Rondo couldn't beat the odds. Oh, I like that. Oh, I'm excited to hear that song for the first time, boys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something smooth, just a, just a, just a vibe with it a little bit. You know, I, I ain't hey. trying to get too hard. I'm here for it. Hey, support our sponsors: Sean Gibson, hey, South Georgia Pecan, uh, Brunt Insurance, and Gator Kicks. Hit them up. Yes, sir. Hey, Cam, you got the song next week, dog. But take us out right now. 
I lost my cousin to that eye and I lost my nigga to it too Tears in my eyes, I often dry, they don't know what I'm going through I'm hurt aside from all the lies, why the fuck they can't tell the truth It's hurting not cause I'm a guy, ain't nobody else in this cool No, I ain't never graduated, I learned from the old school When you had put in what you got, it never equals the two I never spoke on what I bought, that's not one thing that I do My mama dropped her head in court cause I can't tell them I do Why is it so hard for them to keep it real? That's why I feel like I can't trust no one I played my cards, but I can't say if she good That's why I really can't trust no one I gave it my all and my heart I couldn't beat the odds for no reason Save myself from a fall, it don't matter what you do The hoes still gon' be the same yeah. I fought that bitch to get another fuck that boy fell in love I shit that leap from day to night, I live my life doing these drugs With no guitar like Elvis Presley, I'ma rock out with my thug I told that boy he better not test me, tell me clock out in the club Up and down, round and round, I realize ain't no way around My feelings in the house, I found it to Jay and went out and found Before the watches in the chain, ain't nobody wanna hang around Before the cameras in the fame, I was lock and stuck on confinement They know my youngin' butts is brain, so I told them boys I ain't high Yo, if she fuck it and suck it, I swear that shawty bring it out I got the presence of a crip, it ain't no way that I can hide I'm trying to subtract all these niggas while my money multiply. I ran my cash up on these niggas, they hate the fact that I'm smiling. Don't make me act up on you niggas in the hood, I post them wild. I fought that bitch inside the hills, but then I nut all on her blouse. I fought the bird and went to work, I told that bitch, give me a hour. Why is it so hard for them to keep it real? That's why I feel like I can't trust no one. I played my cards, but I can't say if she good. That's why I really can't trust no one. I gave it my all in my heart, I couldn't be the odds for no reason. Save myself from a fall, it don't matter what you do, the hoes still gon' be the same. Yeah, I fought that bitch to get him nuts, you fought that boy and fell in love. I shit that leap from day to night, I live my life doing these drugs. With no guitar like Elvis Presley, I'ma rock out with my thug. I told that boy he better not test me, tell me clock out in the club. Up and down, round and round, I realize ain't no way around. My feelings in the house, I found it to Jay and went out and found it. Before the watches in the chain, ain't nobody wanna hang around. Before the cameras in the fame, I was lock and stuck on confinement.